and I'm Kat, and you're listening to the 40th episode of Two, Two Book, Book Bitches. Wow, episode 40. Yeah. That sounds cool. We're almost halfway to 100. <laughs> do you want to do some more math in this episode too? We're, we're almost halfway to 100. I know. The last episode we did, we did the same thing. We we're like, that's halfway to 200. And that's a fifth of oh, the way to a thousand. I thought I said something wrong. I'm like, wait. You were like, like not ha- almost halfway to 100. You were like, hold up. Can I count? No, no. It's literally so exciting. What are we going to do for our 100th episode? I mean, we're still 60 episodes off, but still. I don't know. I guess we'll have to see what we're, where we're at. Where we're at then. Yep. Yep. Where would, where would 100 be? Where would that put us? I feel like next year. At probably. least, right? Yeah. I think so. 60 more episodes. Yeah, 100%. Like, late 2022. Okay, well, to be honest with you, though, like, we've gotten four episodes. We haven't been up for a year yet. Right. So, by a year, we'll be at, like, 50. 50. Okay, okay. So, like, two years. Okay, maybe a better goal is, what are we going to do for episode 50? Okay. (laughs) What are we going to do for our year anniversary? That's the better question. We should have a party of just us, too. (gasps) Oh, wait, that'd be fun. We should get champagne, though. Can we be really corny and um, get like a balloon? That says what? One. <laughs> it's cooler. We should have got like 100K for like 100K oh. listens. Like those balloons. You know, some people do that. Yeah. Maybe we'll hit another milestone by year. I don't know. But I, I do want to get balloons for the one year. And we can take like a cute picture. And I want to like pop some champagne or something. Okay. I have like lots of plans, you know? Um. Anyways, before we start. We have a new patron to thank. Yes, Charlotte. Thank you so much. Thank you. We love you. We love you. I also love that name. Charlotte? Yeah. Isn't that one of the children, royal children? Yes, Princess Charlotte. The younger sister of Prince George and the older sister of Prince Louis. You know, I like to keep up with the... She is fifth in line. Because it's, it's Charles, William, George. Or second in line. Fourth. She's third. Fourth. Fourth in line. Fourth, fourth in line. I forgot. Right. Yeah. Because they finally had. made that rule where like it doesn't matter if you're a girl, you still stay your position in line. Otherwise, her younger brother would have knocked her like down mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. So stupid. So I'm really glad that she gets to keep it. Honestly, Char- Princess Charlotte's a fucking mood. Have you ever seen like pictures of her? She's so funny. She is. She's really cute too. Anyways, any um news? feel like it hasn't been that long since we no it's literally been like two days mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um well it got announced that there's gonna be a sequel to um lily sparks book teen killers club yeah which we're excited for because we loved the first one yeah i'm actually really excited to see what signal and eric are up to are fucking up yeah to. i think it's called what hide and seek is it called hide that's and seek? what yeah yeah hide and seek right When's it coming out? Did, did they like put a date or is it just kind of like tentative? I thought I, saw, I thought I saw fall 2022. Okay. So we still, we still have a wild wait book. Yeah. That was a fun book to read. It was fun. Yeah. If you haven't read it and you kind of like that too. like thrillery style, you should probably check it out. Um, in other news, I'm vaccinated. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I have one of two. I'm a Pfizer princess, just in case anyone is wondering. With a Moderna moon. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> It's like the new astrology. My arm hurts, but I feel fucking great. Other than that, nothing else going on in my life. Not much has changed. Not much has changed since the last two days. Yeah. Yeah. That's the most exciting thing that's happened to me. Otherwise, nothing. What's up with you? Anything? Literally nothing. Literally nothing. Just chilling. Studying, chilling. How's studying? Death. 
<laughs> There's a reason why they call it, or what is it? Isn't it? Stu dying. Stu dying. Are you stu dying? I am dying. Exactly. Well, that's it for us. Uh, our lives are boring, other than this podcast. So, speaking of the podcast, today we're we doing, doing Invisible Life of Addie Larue Part Two. I feel like that kind of rhymed. It did. Larue Part Two. I love that. That did rhyme. Love it. Um, yeah, so excited to finish up this book. Let's see if we cry at the end of this. Who knows? Stay tuned. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. I cried when I read it, so. Yeah. I just, like, teared up, but. So, spoilers ahead. Yep. If you haven't read, turn back now. Or don't. Because we're not your moms, and you can literally do what you want. We can't tell you what to do. We so, tried. what, where did we end off? Okay, so we end off with Addie just told Henry her whole fucking story, and then Henry is, like, laughing, and he's like, ha, ha, ha. No, no, I believe you because he also made a fucking deal with the hot devil. So let's find out what happens. So um, we start this part off with part four, which is called The Man Who Stayed Dry in the Rain. Interesting. Already a mood. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, an umbrella is my first thought. But I mean, I know it's probably like an analogy, but. No, I don't think it's an analogy. Oh, it's really? literally just like he, the devil just doesn't get wet. Oh, is that who we're talking about? Yes. Okay. I mean, you find out literally in, the, in this first chapter. Oh, I get yes. it. I get it. Oh, so, yes, yeah. yes, you're right. Okay. So we have a little bit of a flashback. Um, it's New York City, September 4th, 2013. And we have this like beautiful analogy of a boy born with a broken heart that never heal healed properly. And then we get like glimpses into Henry's life when he was younger and all the heartbreak he experienced um, he started drinking when he was 14 just to like turn the volume down. Damn. And then when he was 16, he stole some of his mom's pills to like dull the ache. And then we get like a description of time moving like really fast. And each time you blink, so much of your life has gone by. And Henry finds himself like majoring in theology and then blink. Then he's like 30. Then he's 26 and he isn't into it anymore. And then blink again and he's 28 and he finds himself lost and then blink he, and he meets a girl named Tabitha, and he describes how easily it was to fall in love with her. Cute. And they're together for two years before he proposes to her, but she says no. Can you imagine? You know what always stresses that, me out? That's gotta hurt. You you know when you see, like, a public proposal? proposal? Yeah. My heart beats. And I had a relatively public proposal, so I'm sure people felt like this when they were watching. I mean, I just feel like... There should be a discussion that's had. A thousand You know percent. what I mean? A As anyone who's proposing, uh -huh. um, I feel like you should know the answer. A hundred percent. Like definitely 100%. before you're proposing. 100%. You know what I mean? And if you're unsure, maybe you should have a discussion first. Like I want to know, was anyone's proposal like truly a thousand percent a surprise? Because like even, okay, fine. Surprise with how it happened. Sure. Yes. But you knew it was coming, right? At some point. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's definitely people who didn't see it coming at all but still said yes because like they wanted that anyways I feel but like, i feel like it should be a discussion yeah i feel like you were pretty surprised i was surprised yes because he proposed earlier than i thought he was going to yeah i thought i was like waiting for like at least another year before he proposed yeah well i i thought he was gonna <laughs> I, I don't know have i told this story about when i thought he was gonna propose in paris and then he didn't <laughs> so i got drunk um, <laughs> I think maybe. I, I think know. maybe. I yeah, maybe. So many stories but, told. 
But, like, by the time he actually did propose, I, like, kind of had an inkling. But he hit it really, really well. Like, he played it so yeah. chill until, like, literally moments before. And then he got, like, really nervous. And I could just, like, tell. But other than that, I was, like, convinced it wasn't happening that weekend. Like, when I was proposed to, I mean, I had been pestering him, like, recently. be like, oh, I want him to propose now. But, like, <laughs> I didn't actually think he was going to. Right. Yeah. But, like, I obviously knew it was happening at some point. Yeah. It was just, I think it was, like, a shock of, like... When, when? When. But, like, obviously, we had that conversation. Like, he knew my answer was going to be yes. You know yeah, what I mean? of course. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like people 100%. who propose to actually don't know what someone's going to say, like, that must be interesting. Also, where people's... I love this. Where people's rings a surprise? Oh, true. That's a good question. Because, like, I am not the type that can be surprised with stuff like that because I'm very particular about the jewelry I wear. And, obviously, yeah. I had a very... I mean, also, that's a lot of money to waste on a ring that your fiancé ends up not liking. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? imagine... I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like everyone does it differently. Like, I'm sure some people don't have the conversation. And, and they're, like, chill or they, with, like... Or they just say, like, oh, I'm fine with it, whatever you choose. But they don't actually mean that. <laughs> or it's maybe like, they I don't do. want a present. And then he doesn't get you a present. And he's like, excuse me, where's my present? Where's my fucking present? Yeah. Was your proposal a surprise? A thousand percent a surprise? Let us know. I want to know. I love hearing proposal stories, so anyways yes. sad times so tabitha sad. said fucking no yes i mean tabitha is not a real name anyways so that's fine well yeah <laughs> not a real name not a real person but she says no then he goes to a bar with his friends and he gets drunk and they tell him that it's for the best and the way like robbie and b are like looking at him makes him realize that they knew tabitha would say no Ooh. like they're like yeah like we saw it coming type of thing why wouldn't they mm. that's a hard position to be in as a friend i think Part of me, I know. Like, par- like, like, would you even, even if they had told him, would he have believed it? Yeah, I know. Probably not. He would have been like, nah, you're wrong. What the fuck do you know? 100%. And I think that, like, when they had that discussion, like, it seems like at one point they did talk about marriage, Henry and Tabitha. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't think she was ready for it. Slash, yeah. maybe not with him. Type yeah. Of thing. They clearly, like, like he, she said, oh, yeah, I want to get married one day. But, like, she never said, to you. To you. To, to you. you. To someone else, mate. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. Poor Henry. So um, he leaves the bar because he's like pissed off at them. And he goes to a liquor store and he buys more liquor to continue to get drunk. His friends try to call him, but he doesn't answer. And he tells himself that if they call again, he will answer. Um, and then he'll tell them that he actually isn't fine. But they don't call again. Ugh. He drops the bottle on the ground and it shatters. And in his like stupor, he goes to like pick it up and he cuts himself on the broken glass. And he takes like a handkerchief out of his pocket that he used to wrap the engagement ring in. And then the ring tumbles and falls to the ground. And he thinks of leaving the ring on the ground, but he knows he can't like afford that. So he picks it up. up. Yeah. And he thinks about what Tabitha said when she rejected him. She had said like, oh, you're great, Henry. You really are. But you're not dot, dot, dot. And although she never finished the sentence, he knew what she was going to say next, which is you're not enough. That's that's tough yeah that's rough this is rough i you know what i i will be the first to admit when i first started reading about henry i was like this guy's like such a middle child like he seems so like you know like mm-hmm. he's some he seems so down with so many things and obviously clearly you never know what someone's going through because then when i read this i was like oh shit that's that's yeah. rough um so i think it's still that Same night. night yeah and Henry has had too much to drink, obviously, and he mixes it with two unidentified pills, which I feel like, bad call. Never 
that mix pills and alcohol. Do you so know the part in um, Superstore where the pharmacist just like is like, mm, this is either a sweet tart or a... Oh my God. <laughs> what did he say? Yeah. He's either, this is a sweet tart or it's... Amoxicillin or something like that. And he like literally swallows it. He's like, "Mm, definitely amoxicillin. Oh no, it wasn't amoxicillin. It was yeah. He said it's either oxys. It's like it's either oxycodone or it's a sweet Sweet tart. tart. And then he he takes it. He's like, oh, definitely oxy. Oh my god. Um, so Henry's walking around in the rain, just like meandering and he gets to his apartment, but he can't bring himself to go in because it belongs like a past where he had a future. So it's like you know, hard to walk in there now. So instead he just sits on the step outside and looks up at the rooftop and wonders how many steps it would take to reach the edge. And I'm like, oh fuck, here we go. He stops himself and tells himself that this is just a storm and he just needs to wait it out. Then he realizes that a man has sat next to him on the step and says, bad day. Um, the man is dressed in like this, like charcoal suit. And at first he thinks the man looks like his brother, David, but the more he stares, the more the similarities disappear. And he realizes that this man isn't getting wet. Ah, see? The man man who doesn't get wet in the rain. I don't know why this didn't fucking click for me. Like, literally the first second I read it. Um, The stranger then asks him, right now in this moment, what do you want? Henry says to be happy. But the stranger tells him that no one can give him that. Henry knows that he should go inside, but instead he tells the stranger that he doesn't know what they want from him, that they tell you to be yourself, but they don't mean it, and he's tired of falling short. And he, he like, clutches his heart and he says it hurts. Um, The stranger tells Henry that he is perfect and that pain can be beautiful. Henry says that he doesn't want to be in pain. He just wants to be loved. The stranger tells him to be loved then. Henry is like, you make it sound simple. And the stranger says that if you're willing to pay, like it is simple. Henry misunderstands and says that he isn't looking for that kind of love. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's what he thought. The stranger says that he isn't talking about money, but the one thing every human has to give. Um... I feel like if I heard this, I'd be like, a kidney? (laughs) A lung? A liver? (laughs) A part of my liver? (laughs) A plasma donation? Like, my my head immediately wouldn't go to, like, oh, my soul. Like, you know? Henry knows what he means, which I'm like, wow. Maybe it's because he was a theology major. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's like the language he uses made, made, like, Henry be like, oh, Oh, my my soul. soul. See, maybe, like, the biology minor in me was, like, you're thinking too scientific over yeah. here. <laughs> Something every human has to give. Their kidney. Their literal kidney. Like, you can <laughs> give your kidney to someone. Um. So, yeah, Henry knows what he means, and he asks the stranger who he is, and the stranger responds in riddles, saying, I am the one who sees kindling and coaxes it to flame, the nurturer of all human potential. Henry thinks that this is just a waking dream, and so he replies, saying that he doesn't believe in devils or souls, and so the stranger responds, saying that he has nothing to lose then. The stranger tells Henry that he wants to be loved by all of them to be enough for them. Um, he can give him that for the price of something he won't even miss. He holds out his hand to Henry and says, what do you say? Henry doesn't think any of this is real. He's just like, ah, fuck it. So Henry takes the stranger's hand and the stranger says, deal. Mm. See, no one is making good deals at all. Well, no one's thinking it through, but this is what luke does right like he finds people who are desperate and in a mo in a state where they can't think through what they're asking for mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. he's not gonna be like all right this person has thought her through her deal thoroughly let me go find yeah. her you know what i mean or imagine he like talks to him he's like anyways i'm gonna give you like seven to ten business days to think about it um when you figure it out and you have all the terms and conditions on you can send it to my lawyer and then my lawyer will read it and send it back to your lawyer yeah none of that's happening none of that. he's like make a decision now 
um oh, i don't know these handshakes shouldn't be binding in my opinion uh, truly like you, you have could, to sign something you should literally have to sign if there's something. no paper proof it didn't happen literally if there's no email if there's no documented proof it didn't fucking happen i agree i would sue this i would sue too guy. there there has to be some actual legal loophole to this um, i mean he's a god so i mean <laughs> i mean i guess but if there's any lawyers out there who you know know a lot about mystical deals and the legalities behind that please um reach out to us we would love to chat <laughs> <laughs> so um now we flash back to the present march 17th 2014 in new york city and henry has just finished telling Addie the deal he made with the devil and now they're sitting in like awkward silence henry tells her like to say something and Addie is crying and she tells them that she couldn't understand before she thought it was an accident or a trap but Henry isn't a trap he remembers her because he made a deal she says 300 years spent trying to break this curse and Luke did the one thing I never expected he made a mistake and Henry is confused so Addie explains that because of his deal people see exactly what they want when they look at Henry but what she wants has nothing to do with like looks or success what she wants is for someone to remember her, which is why, you know, he can say her name and remember her. And that is also why she can look at him and see him as he truly is. And it is enough. Then she asks him how long he made the deal for. And Henry hesitates at first, but he says a lifetime. I'm not going to lie. When I first read this, I called bullshit immediately. I was like, there's no way Luke didn't. There's no way Luke made a mistake. I was like, these deals complement each other so perfectly yeah and i'm like he's upset like luke is obsessed with Addie. that's what i'm saying so there's no way he would just forget about her for a split second uh, and make this deal that's what i'm saying like i called bullshit the second i read this i was like there's no fucking way because like literally what he wants is to be loved by someone and she's probably the only person who can actually love him for him because what she wants like she said is nothing to do with looks she just wants someone to remember her so it's like their curses like almost cancel each other out Yes, but I still called bullshit at this point. Um, we are still in present day. It is the next day, though, um, March 18, 2014. And Addie has started working at the bookstore with Henry, shelving books. Um, this is probably very confusing for B. They have a new employee every single time. <laughs> they have to onboard her every single she day. She doesn't even remember, though. But B doesn't work there. She doesn't work at the front desk. No, she just, like, works she, there occasionally. So she just like to hang out a lot? Yeah, she likes to steal oh, the yeah, books. She uses it like art. a lot. She uses the book, their bookstore as a library. You're right, you're right, you're right. I was like, wait, does she not actually have a part-time job there? But I, I guess she just kind of like loiters. Yeah. All right, fair. Literally. Um, Henry is flipping through a collection of modern candids in New York. Addie says that she noticed the photos and cameras at his place and tells him that he is like very good. He explains it to him. Photos are just an illusion and are like fictions, a very convincing lie, which is what he loves about them. Oh, this guy's so deep. Um, he then pulls out his phone and tries taking a picture of her, but it doesn't work. And she tells him that it won't work because of her deal. So, and then I think, isn't this a part where he's like, he couldn't have predicted like phones and technology, Mm -hmm. like referencing Luke. And it's like, but it's not about the phones and technology. It's about her. Yeah. So like all her pictures turn out like blurry or like something's wrong with them. So, um, another flashback, September 5th, 2013, uh, New York City, Henry wakes up and at first doesn't remember what happened the night before. Then he remembers like Tabitha saying no and he remembers the encounter with the stranger, but doesn't think that that was real. He notices a watch on his wrist, but he has never worn a watch before. And on its face is like a single golden hand that rests like the teeniest bit after midnight. 
At first, he's afraid that he won't be able to take it off, but it comes off easily, and when it falls on the bed, there is an engraving on the back that says, live well. He still doesn't think the encounter with the stranger is real, though. He just thinks it's like a fever dream. He's like, I just got real drunk. Yeah. And I imagine a hot guy. Which I mean... And who gave me a watch. <laughs> which I mean, can you blame me? We should get the watch, bro. Literally. He is interrupted by, from his thoughts by someone knocking at the door, and he opens it, and it's Mur- Muriel, his sister, who comes on in. And she tells him that he's looking good, which surprises him considering one look in the mirror and he knows that he looks like shit. And Muriel is not one to lie. She tells him that she heard about Tapatha and says that he deserves better anyways. And he is also surprised to hear her say that considering the countless times she told him that Tapatha was out of his league. (laughs) Typical sister shit. Then she tells him that she can see that he's fine. So she leaves. She's like, all right, bye, you seem fine, bye. What, did she seem, stayed for, like, two seconds? Literally. She's like, bye. And Henry is, like, confused. He's like, okay, what happened? Mm-hmm. He goes to a coffee shop on his way to work, and the one he's been going to, like, every day for the past three years, and he sees Vanessa, like, the barista there, um, that's been working there for, like, the past two months. And she has never talked to him before other than to ask for, like, his order, but today she looks at him and makes small talk, and when she hands him his coffee, she's written her number on it. He goes to the bookstore, um, the last word, and a woman comes in looking for a book that she's already read. And when she looks at him, he notices like this faint, like the faintest shine to her eyes. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which she's kind of noticing at everyone he sees these days. Yeah, it was like in the present day too, in the 2014 chapters. Like, it's always like her eyes went like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, oh, like, is that a like euphemism a for something? But no. no, it's like the curse or whatever. Yeah. Um, she gives him a brief description of a book and what the, what the front cover looks like. And he suggests one book. And immediately she's like, yes, that's the one. But then he thinks of one that better fits her description. And she's like, oh, you're right again. That's the one. And the woman ends up buying both books, insisting that she'll like love both of them. It's like the ultimate salesman. Yes. And it continues to be a weird day. Like all his customers buy everything he recommends. And I'm like, okay, that's weird though. Like, isn't that a good thing? like oh my customers never buy what i recommend so that's sad for you right (laughs) why are you not selling these books appropriately so um robbie comes in to check on how henry's doing saying that he wanted to go over last night but b thought it would be better to give henry some space and robbie's hug lingers a little too long and when henry pulls back he sees like glitter on robbie's face and robbie just says that it's because of their like his rehearsal and Henry notices that odd shine again in Robbie's eyes. B comes in swearing, saying that her thesis proposal was turned down again. And Robbie goes to get the stash of whiskey in the back that belongs to the store owner. And they toast to new beginnings. Cute. Can you imagine having your thesis proposal turned down? I would literally shit myself. That must be tough. Because there's like a lot of work that goes into thinking of what yeah. you're going to write your thesis on. I had an option to do a master's thesis instead of like final exams and i was like no thank you i also would have said no thank you i was like no exams are, are temporary pain and like you have to actually a thesis is a lot more work i know and you have to actually like defend your thesis yeah have you seen that tweet where it's like but would your thesis defend you <laughs> probably not probably not it would hightail out of there bye bitch you're on your own, own. own. <laughs> um we are back in present day new york city march 18 2014 B comes into the store saying that Robbie wants to know if Henry is avoiding him. And when Henry doesn't answer, B is like, I'll take that as a yes then, (laughs) which is true. Henry then introduces B to Addie again. And B says, there's something timeless about your face. So like 
every time she meets this chick, she's going to say the same thing. That must get old real quick. Super quick. But maybe she's, like, used to it because it's been, like, 300 years. This is true. You know? Um, Addie just smiles and says that she's heard that before. Henry asks B what she's been up to, and she says that she was just at the Artifact, which is this new art exhibit on the Chelsea High Line, and after she describes it to them, Addie's like, oh my god, we have to go. So Henry asks B if she'll close up for him, and then they leave. See, like, she works there, like, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Well, because she's, like, the art student, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're not really having to introduce your girlfriend to your friends literally every day. It's exhausting. Yeah. Being like, this is my girlfriend. This is my girlfriend. This is my girlfriend. And you can't even say girlfriend, though, because you have to say, like, someone I'm seeing, right? Because, like, girlfriend would be like, why haven't you told us I know, of, that's like, true too. about her sooner? Mm-hmm. You know what you I mean, girlfriend? Like, mm-hmm. you, she's your girlfriend. You've mm-hmm. been dating her for one day. Yeah. Um. Speaking of forgetting someone and, like, not being able to say people's names, you know, um, you know, I, like, your brother forgot my name when we first met? I do remember this story. Yeah. We, like, met at first and, like, whatever introduce myself yada yada and i thought he was like super cute and then the second time we met he like literally was like what was your name again alessia Ala. like and i was like didn't he also call you by someone else's name yeah he did point? he did <laughs> which was a really good friend of his so like it was fine but this is like really early on i don't even i think we were only officially dating for like a hot second when this happened and it wasn't during like an awkward time if you know what i mean it was literally like we were walking down the street <laughs> otherwise i've been like the fuck but yeah he literally forgot my name when we first met but who's fucking laughing now i mean i'm not good with names either so i know that's what he told me too and then after the fact i tease him about it all the time and he felt really bad he was like i'm sorry i just like when i first met you i didn't say your name like enough times and i couldn't remember and i'm like yeah yeah whatever (laughs) just hope you don't forget it on the day we're supposed to get married (laughs) i take the rachel (laughs) i take the oh my god can you fucking imagine (gasps) that would have been bad i would die i'd be like that's a red flag. I'd be like, I'm not marrying you. I'm sorry. A hundred percent. Like in Friends when she actually still marries him. I feel I like that's know. just to punish him or something. No. Well, it's also a two thing to like save face. Because it's Yeah, so but to go through a divorce I know, that's is true. also like so much work. I know, which is exactly what they did like a hot second after they got married. Exactly. I know. Ugh. Well. So we have another flashback. Mm-hmm. September 5th, 2013, New York. And Henry gathers all of Tabitha's belongings in his apartment and puts them in a box. And then he decides to go out. He goes to this bar called The Merchant um, of Venice. <laughs> ah, see, there you go. Um, and the bartender comes straight to him and takes his order and tells him that it's on the house. A girl comes up to the bar and looks at Henry. And he sees that shine in her eyes. And they talk for a bit before she asks him to literally come home with her. And her friends, like, come and get her before he has a chance to respond. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. You've been talking to him for, like, two seconds. I know. Those are, like, good friends, though. Yeah. And then he goes to the bathroom, and a bunch of people stop him on the way to, like, talk to him. And when he finally gets to the bathroom, he thinks about, like, everything weird that's happened to him. And, like, that pale fog in everyone's eyes when they look at him. And he looks down at the watch on his wrist, and he finally realizes that the man in the rain was real and so was the deal did he just think that he was looking extra good these last couple days or something maybe um he looks up and he sees a guy um glassy-eyed smiling at him and tells him that he looks like he could use a bump and that he holds um a little glass like jar with powder in it and yeah i'm I'm assuming. assuming yeah because henry puts some on his thumb and inhales it there you go so i'm assuming it's cocaine Mm mm-hmm 
He then goes into the hall and there is a guy with his arms slung over a girl's shoulder and they tell him that they've been looking for him and they invite him to have a threesome nice and though henry thinks of dozen excuses he still follows them home all right i mean can't knock it i mean you're also under the influence so yeah are you really making informed consent here you know or giving informed consent maybe not perhaps not methinks not on the cocaine in a little glass jar though that's so bougie she like well, yeah. with a little rubber like no um a cork stopper yes yeah and a little tiny spoon like just a little tiny spoon so people don't have to put their finger in it or you just have like long fingernail like a long pinky mm-hmm, mm-hmm. dip it in there yeah but i feel like it's unhygienic if you're offering it to everyone well i mean like no one would care until covid that's true man the amount of stuff i think about now after covid i'm like oh my god i can't believe i like let people taste my drink They're like here <laughs> not doing that shit anymore Actually, maybe I will now that I'm vaccinated. I want to go to back to as much as normal as possible. That's so true. I'm just going to pretend that it didn't happen. When honestly. I'm fully vaccinated, I'm literally going to kiss everyone on the mouth. Yeah, like, like I, I really don't wait. care. I'm kiss I will everyone I know on the mouth. The, the hand pulls on the subway. 100%. I'm just going to really push it to the limit. I'm going to be like, fuck it. Let's see how this how effective this vaccine really is. Yeah. I'm going to really test it out for Pfizer. Yeah. I'll send them my data after be like... So on March 30th, I, I helped my own independent study <laughs> and I have not gotten sick despite the fact that I've licked every subway seat since April. <laughs> so gross. That's disgusting. You probably get some other things. Probably. <laughs> I have three other diseases, but none not of them COVID. are COVID. So congratulations, your vaccine works. Um, So we are still in the little mini flashback, but it's September 7, 2013. And let's just be honest, Henry is feeling good to be so wanted. And I mean, that's a completely understandable emotion, I think. It feels nice to be wanted. Um, The only unsettling part is their eyes, the fog that clouds them, which is like a constant reminder that his new life isn't entirely real. That's got to be a big fucking bummer. He's standing in line at the coffee shop and the barista Vanessa asks him why he never called her. He says that he wasn't sure if he should. And she's like, was the whole name and number on the cup too subtle? I'm like... Was my left hook too subtle for you? <laughs> twilight. Twilight, it always comes back around to Twilight. Um, and so he gets her to put her number in his phone and promises to call her. On his way out, he is stopped by Dean Melrose. And I believe this is like the dean at the university that he was previously at. Mm-hmm. And the dean tells him that there is a position opening in the theology department and thinks that Henry is like perfect for the position. Henry is confused considering that he never finished his PhD and the dean had previously threatened to fail him if he didn't leave the program. So essentially he was like forced out kind of like they told him like, you're not right for this. The dean tells him that he was wrong to do what he did and to come in for an interview anyways and gives Henry his card. B meets Henry at the bookstore and Henry asks her if he looks strange to her and she's like, no, you look like you. And he's like, so you don't want me then? And she's like, sorry, still a lesbian. And I'm like, (laughs) doesn't work on the lesbians. You still love who you love. Um, I think she sees, like, a perfect friend. Yes. That's what she sees when she looks at him. Because, like, that's what she wanted. Doesn't she say at one point, like, you're the best listener? Yeah, that happens later. Oh, does it? Okay. I'm, like, jumping the gun a little bit. But, yeah, she, like, sees him as, like, the ultimate friend. And even he admits, like, I'm literally not a perfect friend. He drops it, and she tells him that she's found a new thesis idea. She takes some books off the shelf to show him three portraits, all renditions of a young woman, but from different time. B calls her the ghost in the frame. There's an Italian pencil sketch called, damn, you really, ha- O Portato, la stella a letto. 
great thank you so much fucking please if you guys roast me for my accent i will cry um french painting called um la sereine the the siren yeah and the last piece is a sculpture called constellation i'm like literally sweating from the three languages that i've just had to (laughs) english french and italian book um it's the english one that got you though it's it's really is like i saw the word constellation i was like um B believes that they're all portraits of the same woman due to the similarities of the angle of the jaw, the line of the nose, and the seven freckles depicted in each portrait, a.k.a. Addie. Um, Henry thinks it's a bit of a stretch, but B wants to know who she was. She's like, who the fuck is this girl? Henry talks her out of this topic, saying that her last proposal got nixed for being too whimsical, so it's doubtful that the dean will go for this one. I'm calling bad friend on this. I thought it was a great idea, to be honest with you. But, like, what is she in is she in art is that what she's in yeah i'm pretty sure she's like, in like, her... art history oh uh, okay i think she's in art history i thought this was a great idea for a like a thesis yeah because i think she finds like more yeah things. like she's scouring history and like finding like all these women who look like that's fucking sick imagine this was real so back in the present march 18th 2014 and henry is telling the story to Addie on their way to the chelsea highline when he realizes that the woman um, in all those portraits is Addie. And Addie's like, yes, that was me. It was me. And um, Henry's like, but I thought you couldn't leave a mark. And Addie explains that she can't. Like, she can't hold a pen or tell a story or make someone, like, remember. But art is about ideas, and ideas are wilder than memories. They're like weeds always finding their way up. Mm, it's that, that idea. Same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Henry feels himself beginning to fall for her oh i love this it's like the episode in the bachelor where they say for the first time like i think i'm falling in love with him love that um we are in the little mini flashback again new york city september 13th 2013 henry is on his way to his parents house and he's not excited about it he expected the night to go by how it always does um with his parents which is no bueno his dad and brother talking his mom and sister talking and him hoping no one asks him questions about himself (laughs) my guy just wants to be alone he's a real introvert he gets there late but instead of like being upset at him his father is just excited to see him and he's like what um it ends up being like a really pleasant evening where his parents are proud of him and there's no judgment in the air they don't talk about tabitha at all and his father seems genuinely interested in what he's saying and his mom tells him that she's proud of him Um, he tells them about Dean Melrose and the job offer and they're all again, super proud of him. They're just like on the fucking yay for Henry train, you know, they're like, good for you, babe. Um, then when it's time to leave, his dad walks him to his car and tells him he's proud of him yet again. And David knows it's not real, but he doesn't care since it feels good to hear. That's always nice Mm -hmm. when your parents tell you they're proud of you. Yeah. You know, so nice. I'm like, wow. Thank you so much i didn't fuck it up so back in the present march 18 2014 they get to the chelsea highline um which we've been to it's so cool i thoroughly enjoyed it yeah it's really cool um for those of you who haven't been i think it's like an old railway track or something like that or like an old subway track cannot confirm or deny that i could honestly it could be completely talking it kind of looks like maybe it is i swear it is or something like that and it like it's elevated, which is the high part, but they've turned it into like a little parky thing and you can yeah. walk down it and there's like vendors and there, on it. It starts at one end and like it goes yeah. for a We got ice part. cream on it once. Yes. I think we got ice cream on it. Gelato no, we or got something? the ice cream before we went on. Oh. The ice cream you're right, you're right, you're right. Pop up. You're right, you're right. And then so we went good. on the high line. 
Yes, we and did. Was, and we walked like the whole thing. You are correct. It was really cool though. It was a cool find. Love it. Love it. It was super fun. Um, So they go to the entrance to the artifact, which is that art exhibit, and they get like different colored bands that provide access to different pieces of the exhibit. Um, they enter a section called the memory first, which turns out to be like this 3D kaleidoscope. And next they go into this exhibit called the sky, which is like a series of like um, conjoining rooms, which have art of various skies. And then the last room is filled with stars. And Addie says, 300 years and you can still find something new. Yeah. This sounds like a really cool exhibit. Yeah, which was real. Um, what's that exhibit that was just here in Toronto that everyone was losing their shit over? Oh, The Van yeah. Gogh? The Van Gogh one? But then there was another one. The illusion another, one. Yeah, the illusions were like a bunch of different rooms and they all mm-hmm. were so cool. Like there was one where was just like a... The infinity room. mirrors? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The floor to ceiling mirrors. I did not go. Neither did I. There's honestly so much cool shit that happens in Toronto and like sometimes I just, I just fucking go. miss yeah. it. I'm like, oh, oops. Um, I used to try and go to a lot of food things because I love food. Oh, remember Winterlicious? Mm. Remember like, no, Winterlicious still happens. Yeah, but you can't go. No, you uh, You know, like, like Winterlicious wasn't a thing. It was like takeout. Yeah, which is such a bummer because it's so fun to go to the restaurants and they have like these special menus and stuff. It's really cute. Ugh. The world will be back to normal one day. I swear. Anyways, we're in another little mini flashback. New York City, September 19, 2013. And Henry is on a date with Vanessa, the barista. He asks her what she sees in him, and she says that he is exactly what she's been looking for, calling him outgoing, funny, ambitious. Um, if she had said he was real, sensitive, thoughtful, then he might have actually like believed her. But, you know, he doesn't consider himself an outgoing, funny, ambitious guy. A week later, he's at the bar with B and Robbie, and they're asking him about Vanessa. Robbie thinks she's a carbon copy of Tabitha. B tells him that they just want him to be happy and warns him not to go too fast. And he tells them that he's taking it slow. And I'm like, hmm, sounds like bullshit. You might be, but she ain't. She is not because let me tell you, flash forward to Henry waking up in bed to Vanessa telling him she loves him. And I'm like, didn't they just fucking- They've been dating for like a week. A week. And I mean, like, I know how to like, when you know, you know, but like, you kind of like keep it to yourself for a little bit, you know, (laughs) like, even if you know. Are you going to say it after a week? Really? I guess it depends on the person. I guess. I did not. Not after a week. No, thank you. <laughs> you want to scare them away. I can't, I can't expose this is, myself this, like that. Vanessa literally pulls how to lose a guy in 10 days. No, shit. seriously. But it's very overwhelming. Like, that's a very intense emotion. Like, I think even if a guy said it to me, like, after a week, I'd I mean, be like, what she does oh, next is way worse, though. Well, yeah. Um... He asks her if she's sure since, you know, it's only been a week. And she says that when you know, you know. See, this fucking saying. Um, He goes to take a shower and once he gets out, he smells smoke. And he runs out into the hall to see Vanessa in the kitchen standing at the counter with a box of matches in one hand and the box of Tabitha's things getting burned in the sink. This is fucking psychotic. Literally. Like, you cannot start a sink fire. It is... It's a little... It's it's, it's bad. It's a lot. You shouldn't start fires, period. But especially sink fires filled with your hookups slash seeing persons, exes, things. Like, that's a lot. It's a lot. Um, 
he asks her what she's doing and she says that he's holding on to the past that he deserves to be happy and live in the present and burning this box is closure could have donated it like come on he's like this chick is fucking psycho and tells her that she needs to leave and she starts crying asking him what she did wrong he tells her that he needs some space but she wraps herself around him and he might have to like physically pry her off like she's like fucking holding on she's like monkey grasping you know like koala bearing him literally yeah um he tells her that he cares about her and is not mad and promises to call her and that is enough to finally get her out the door so he literally has to like lie basically so still in the past it's october 23rd 2013 and henry is having a movie night with b and robbie robbie picks a horror movie the shining and uh, because it's close to Halloween, and they're all talking about their costume plans for Halloween. Oh, I, I hope we get Halloween this year. Uh, I miss I, Halloween. I miss Halloween. I think we've talked about it on the podcast, too. We love doing Halloween parties and, like, dressing up and being super fucking extra. So I'm, like, really crossing my fingers that we get a Halloween this year. I, I miss it. I miss it, too. Mm-hmm. So they start watching the movie, and when a scary moment happens, Robbie, like, puts his hand on Henry's leg. And when the moment passes, Henry keeps his hand there. And when the moment passes, Robbie keeps his hand there. And when Henry gets up to make more popcorn, Robbie is like, oh, I'll help, and follows Henry into the kitchen. Have you seen those photos where it's like when you convince your manager that a one-person job is a two-person job so you can bring your work best friend (laughs) with you? This is like this. Yeah. Henry's like, I think I can handle making popcorn by myself. Robbie's like, are you sure you don't need help pressing the buttons on the microwave? Yeah, I can do that. I'm going to prevent you from burning the popcorn. Yeah. Um, Robbie then kisses Henry and Henry thinks about how easy it would be to fall back into this, but they were real and it ended and he breaks the kiss and Robbie tells him that he's been waiting to do this for weeks and Henry pulls Robbie into the hall away from B and tells him that this is a mistake. Robbie says that it isn't because he loves him, but Henry is like, then why did we break up in the first place? Facts. Robbie says that Henry was different then, that they weren't a fit at that time, that Henry didn't know what he wanted. And Henry says that he wanted Robbie, but Robbie explains that it can't just be about the other person. You have to be someone too. You have to know who you are. And Mm -hmm. back then you didn't, but now you do. But Henry thinks to himself that he still doesn't know who he is. He still feels lost. So Henry decides that he's not going to go down this road again with Robbie and Robbie is just going to have to find a way to move on. Mm-hmm. So Robbie's been salty about Henry for a very long time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Since uh, the curse started, I guess. Literally. So we are still in the mini flashback. Um, it's November 14th now, 2013. Henry runs into Tabitha at a coffee shop. She tells him that she missed him. And he tells her that he had a box of her things, but there was a fire. He puts it very casually. And I'm like, well, there wasn't a fire. Someone started a fire. He doesn't want to tell her about uh, the Vanessa psycho Vanessa. started the fire. Vanessa started the fire. Brian started the fire. Oh, good times. She asks if anyone was hurt, but he tells her that the fire was contained. Again, a really fancy way of <laughs> yes. saying it was a sink fire. Nice way of putting it. Yeah. Um, then she leans into him and Henry knows that this isn't real again because he's very hyper aware of the curse. She tells him that she wasn't ready to take the next step, but she never wanted their relationship to end and asks him if they can try again. He looks into her eyes and sees that, you know, telltale fog and knows that whoever she sees, it isn't him. So he shakes his head and lets her go. This was, this was big, big of him. You know, I Mm -hmm. feel like even knowing about the curse and stuff, like to walk away from this takes like a lot of balls. It's true. In my opinion. It's true. 
Um, so back in the present, March 18th, 2014, Henry and Abby continue through the artifact. Henry thinks about how when he's with her, like time speeds up and it doesn't scare him. He just feels alive and it doesn't hurt. And he holds his breath as if it will keep the days from passing. This is when I started getting suspicious because he's obsessed with time. And I'm like, yeah. if this bitch made a deal for a lifetime, why is he so scared? It's true. You know? Um, back in the mini flashback, New York City, December 9, 2013, Henry goes to an interview for the position at the university. He meets with Dean Melrose, who tells him that the position is tenure. Um, and Henry's like, and so you thought of me? Because like, Tenure's a big fucking deal. Yeah. You don't start off with tenure. No. Have you ever gotten an email being like, a professor you had is being considered for tenure? Yes. And I'm like, mm, bad idea. I've Because once they have tenure, like they cannot get fired really. Uh, yes. Like it's really hard to remove them, right? To be fair, I've gotten a couple emails and they've all been like really good professors. So I've been happy to be like, yeah, like they're not Do you ever crazy. wonder though how some professors got tenure in the first place? Like oh, I all do. the time. All I'm time. like- you must not have had like an emailing process at that point because they were still sending shit through snail mail <laughs> they only got like one letter Cause, back because let me tell you i don't think anyone would have said yes to this guy but did you ever go on like um rate my prof i went to go look at things but i never like wrote a review i never wrote a review either but in undergrad i used to look at who was teaching the program or the the course or whatever and i used to look at rate my prof before i would join it That's if there fair. was multiple lecture slots because at U of T, like, you know, like, when you take, like, Bio 120, yeah, there's, like, a million Bio 120, yeah. yeah. Or, like, other courses like that. I used to do that all the time. I mean, for grad school, you really don't have a choice because it's, like, the professor you get as yeah, a professor exactly. you get. Because you don't really have choice in the courses you're picking either. The weirdest thing, though, is that the rate my prof has, like, a hotness rating. And I'm, like, I feel like this violates something. Have you had a lot of attractive professors? I, I really don't think I've had, I like, have any. had I've had beautiful some cute, women. I've had some cute TAs. Yes, I've had some I remember TAs. there was one TA in one of my biology classes. I'm like, damn, if I was single. <laughs> he was really hot. Team. He was like the unnaturally good looking. I love that. And I was him. like, oh my God. And I, that was, I feel like that was peak for me. I don't think I've had any other super attractive like profs. I had a linguistics professor and he was a master's student. So I don't think he was tenure. He was just like an associate professor or whatever. Or, I don't know, whatever the lowest level of professor can be. Um, and he wasn't hot, but he was so cute. And he was so smart. And his personality was so nice. I was like, oh my god, you're adorable. Like, literally, you're so cute. I'm obsessed with you. He taught... Um, I actually took two classes with him. I had him as a TA in Linguistics 100. And then he was a professor for writing systems that I took in fourth year. So if you're out there listening to this podcast, just know that I had a great time in your class. And I learned a lot. <laughs> okay <laughs> other than that not really i've had a lot of good looking female professors though and i'm like duh women are so hot good for you anyways um basically the dean asks him like what he wants for himself the dean had asked him the same question before um he asked henry to leave the program at the time henry said he wasn't sure and the dean had told him that he was good, but that wasn't enough. See, we get this, like, theme, you know? Never enough, never, 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 never enough, never for me. That's such a hard song to sing. It's so hard. It's so hard. It's such a beautiful song. I know. Well, they, it's not even her voice. In the movie, no, it's not her yeah. voice. I don't like that, though. I'm I know, not we a talked fan. about I'm it. I'm not a fan. If you're going to be a musical movie, sing. 
sing and hire actors that can sing because there are there's a lot of them out yeah. there so. sing for me oh. anyways um before i break out into phantom of the opera um now when the dean asks him the same question and henry says that he doesn't know the dean says that it's good to be open instead Bitch. it's like it's not enough and now it's like that's good how <laughs> the turntable truly <laughs> Um, Henry says that he's not qualified, but the Dean says that he's an unconventional choice, but that doesn't mean he's the wrong one saying that Henry has a fresh perspective, bro. This is like when you apply to a job that you're so underqualified for and you somehow catfish your way to an interview. Like I've done this a handful of times. Um, Henry is still hesitant, but the Dean tells him to think about it. And Henry promises he will. Henry goes to work and fills a coffee mug with whiskey and plays a game with himself. Take a drink. Every time you hear a lie, this is not okay. This is a cry for help. If you get to this point in life, seek assistance, please. Take care of yourself. Yes. Because, I mean... Listen, once you start... There's a lot of lies out there. I have this this theory, and I'll say it for myself, okay? Once you start putting alcoholic beverages into things that are not meant to, to be hold alcoholic beverages i think like that a you, coffee mug yeah i think that you hit a little bit of a bottom and i only say this because there was this one time in grad school where i took a bath and i put some rosé in a coffee mug and i'm taking this bath and i was like mm, i am not okay <laughs> <laughs> like that was my litmus for like i need to take better care of myself so so next time she took a bath she I got a proper wine glass with an appropriate serving of wine and I acted like a fucking adult, okay? And I was in a better frame of mind. So all I'm saying is if you find yourself pouring whiskey into like a fucking to-go coffee cup, check yourself. Ask yourself, are you okay? Do a a check-in. Do a self-check-in. And it's okay if you're not. And it's okay if you're not, but recognize that. Recognize it. Anyways, go ahead. So still in the past, it's December 31st. 2013. Henry is at Robbie's apartment celebrating New Year's. He is hooking up with some guy whose name he doesn't know. And when the guy starts like fumbling with Henry's belt, Henry stops him and asks him if he actually wants this. And the guy says, why wouldn't I? And Henry stops him asking him what he sees in him. And the guy tells him that he's gorgeous, sexy, smart. He looks sexy with his hair pushed back. Tell him he looks sexy with his hair pushed back. And Henry is like, okay, but how do you know I'm smart since, you know, this is the first time that I've met you and we haven't spoken. It's just a vibe, you know? Like, like I get I a vibe. I can just see. I just know. You wear, you wear glasses. All, all people who wear glasses Every, are smart. All people who wear glasses are smart, right? I feel like I didn't realize, or now that I guess I'm thinking about it and we're like retelling it, um, I didn't realize how dubious like the consent was for all of Henry's hookups. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, like they're hooking up with Henry... Because they because think. they think that Henry is a certain person, but Henry is not. Like they're under the influence of a curse. Yeah. Like that's I feel like so non-consenting. I didn't really like think about it it's until true. I'm like rereading it. I'm like, oh, this is so bad. That's yeah. so crappy. It's true. You know, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, it, it literally just hit me as we're reading this. I'm like, this guy might not have hooked up with Henry if Henry wasn't cursed. You know, exactly. So when he's like, of course I want this, and I'm like. No, but you actually like. Don't. But that's why Henry always asks all of his hookups, "Do you actually want this?" I know, but they're but, like the say answer yes. that they're gonna give you is not like real. Exactly. But then, poor guy, like, what's he gonna do? Like, ugh, it's it's just Never such a shit with anyone. Literally. Yeah. Well, I guess, like, you know. 
So the guy just says that he just knows. It's a vibe, bro. It's a vibe. Which obviously is not enough for Henry. And he's in the process of entangling himself when Robbie sees them and like looks super hurt and then walks away. Henry then goes into Robbie's room and opens the window and sits on the fire escape. B finds him and they talk about how Robbie is in love with Henry, but Henry thinks that Robbie's only in love with who Henry could have been. Mm-hmm. B says that Henry shouldn't have to change because he's just perfect the way he is. Here it is. Um, B says that he's sweet, sensitive, an amazing listener, mm-hmm. and is always there when she needs him. But Henry knows that he isn't a good listener and he hasn't always been there when she needs him. So so B obviously just sees like the perfect friend, right? Ugh. He asks her if she sold her soul for one thing, what would it be? And B says happiness. But Henry's like, well, what is happiness? Is it just feeling happy for no reason? Or is it making other people happy? Like what? Like what is happiness? Which is uh, a fair question. Honestly, fair, like age old question, I feel. Like what is it? Yes. And B stops him saying that he's overthinking it, but says that she would want to be happy with herself is kind of what she means. Mm-hmm. And then she asks him what he would want. And he says to be loved. And she's like, well, you can't make people love you because if it's not a choice, then it's not real. Mm-hmm. And Henry knows that she's right. And they sit out there while the countdown happens and they share a New Year's kiss. Cute. And then Henry realizes that he made a terrible mistake. The deal he made was like a very big mistake, but it's too late. Yeah, literally. Um, So this is still a flashback. We are in New York City and it is like early 2014, like early in the year winter. Henry basically just gives up. He's like, fuck it. And tries to pretend that everything happening to him is real. He's like, I've just accepted at this point. And then one day he meets a girl who walks into his store and steals a book. And when she looks at him, there is no fog in her eyes. She only sees the truth and he doesn't want it to end because for the first time he feels seen. So we got a little mini flashback of the day that he met Addie. Yes. And then we're back in the present, March 18th, 2014. And they're in the last exhibit of the artifact. And it has a sign that says, you are the art. And there are bowls of paint for everyone to use to draw and paint on the walls. Addie tries, but of course, when she writes, it immediately disappears. Then Henry suggests putting her hand over his, and together they draw. This gives Addie an idea, so when they get home, she gives him a notebook and a pen and asks him to write her name, and he does, and then she begins telling him her story, and he writes it all down. Loophole. I love a good loophole. Okay, so we're in the next part, part five. Shadow who smiled, and the girl who smiled back. I love these titles. I know. So, like, mysterious. Um, we are way back. We were in Vion, France, July 29th, 1764, an anniversary. Addie, um, goes to church and finds her father's grave. This is like the little Catholic church in her hometown of Vion. He died the year she left, which is so damn, that's fucking rough. Mm -hmm. That's rough. Um, and for once, Addie is grateful for her curse because her mother only had to grieve one loss instead of two. But I mean, not necessarily because her mom might have died before Addie, at which point she still only would have grieved one loss. I know, I know. Yeah? Yeah. Addie walks in the graveyard and finds Estelle's gravestone. Addie thinks about how Estelle would have wanted to be buried with nothing but a tree over her and she should have been laid to rest in the woods. I like kind of dig this. To be buried in the woods? Yeah. 
But I mean, like, cemeteries are kind of woodsy. I guess, but how we talked about my, like, cemetery thing, I just, we just, like, we put all of them in the same. I mean, I get it. I don't know. This is just my zombie fears coming up again. Most of the people in the cemetery are dust, my guy. No, I know, I know, but. Like, what's coming up? If there's I, I don't know, but I'm just saying. Like, not a lot of those bodies, like, unless it's a fresh body, nothing is really coming back to life. I know, I know, If I it's know. dust, she dusts. I know. I guess this comes from my, like, whole thing of, like, I'm I'm kind of, like, an Estelle. Like, my whole shtick is, like, bury me in a field and put a tree over me. How long does it take for a body to fully decompose, though, to become dust? I'm not 100% sure. I'm just pretty sure that there are five stages of decomposition. Like, the flesh juicy like, part? Like, at first, you kind of, like, you know, you, you like, bloat, and then you become, like, a little liquidy, and then you're in, like, active decomposition, and then it's just, like, dry remains, and then, you know? Gross. So and many, then dust. No, literally, so many things happen to your body when you die. Like, um, what are, what are those morticians mm-hmm. that do, like, the embalming and stuff mm-hmm. like that? Mm-hmm. I always found that career so fast. I, I could never do it, but... That career to me is so fascinating because you have to, like, prepare the body in, like, such a specific way. This got, like, really morbid, but... Anyways, all I'm saying is, like, when I die at the age of 100, um, (laughs) bury me in a field under a tree. Manifesting. No, I am. I'm literally manifesting. I'm not dying before 100. Like, I'm actually... Like, I can't. I'll be so pissed off. And then my goal is to come back as a ghost, but, like, a helpful ghost, like... I'm still holding out for the whole vampire thing because I don't really like aging, so... No, I, like, cannot wait to be, like, a sassy 80-year-old woman who, like, wears lipstick that is entirely too bright. And I'm really into the whole, like, pantsuit thing. Like, I want to wear, like... I can't decide if I want to be, like, a pantsuit old lady, like, that, like, same color. Or if I want to be, like, a hippie old lady who has, like, really long, like, gray hair and just wears, like, hippy-dippy shit. Can't decide. You know? And then at the age of 100, the ripe old age of 100, I will simply collapse. I'm more of a day-by-day kind of person. <laughs> You're day-by-day kind of Not looking that, like that far ahead in the future. Oh, I cannot wait for my old person persona. I'm literally so excited. Um, anyways, Addie is all in her feels about the fact that Estelle isn't buried under a tree, so she steals some tools from a shed, digs up a sapling, and plants it over Estelle's grave, which I thought was literally the sweetest thing ever. She then makes her way to Estelle's hut, which she finds to be super run down. She goes inside and uses a stolen lantern to start a fire. And she just like sits there, just chilling in the hut. Then Luke appears saying, back where you started. He tries to bait her saying that she should have been there with Estelle when she died. He tells her that she's selfish and because of her, Estelle died alone. He says that Estelle was so ready to die and he could have given it to her. Like, why are you being like this? Why are you hurting your feelings Because like he's a dick. He's so toxic, but he's probably so hot. He's so hot. So he's annoying. so hot. It's always the toxic men that are hot. It's always the hot men that are... Ugh. Can I ask you... Okay, have you... I don't know why Sebastian Stan just popped into my head, but he does these days, as he should. Um, You know that movie that he's in? Beginning... Endings and Beginnings or something like that? No. It's like him, Jamie Dornan, and like Shailene Woodley. And, like, Shailene Woodley is in, like, a relationship with both of them. Should we watch it is what I'm trying to ask you. Yes. Apparently, like, Sebastian Sands really hot in it. Apparently, it's, like, not a good movie, but... How is she in a relationship with both of them? Like, they're... do they know? No, are they, are they they're like actually, a... like, best friends, <gasps> and it's, oh. like, a... So it's, like, a this means war type yeah. of movie. But they're not, like, dating. They're just kind of, like, you know, it's, like, a casual hookup kind of thing. But they're still, like, friends, so, like, 
it's it's still like awkward but like i kind of want to watch you pick between uh, sebastian oh come on sebastian why did i even ask the question don't even ask the question the way this man has infiltrated my brain it's funny because like i didn't really think about him that much me neither now consumes my thoughts you want to know why Winter Soldier. TikTok POVs, that's oh, why. Oh, those, those things are great. We watch so many of them. Our timeline is, or our FYP is like filled with Sebastian, Stan, um, Winter Soldier, Bucky Barnes POVs. Where like, you know, the one where it's like, you make me glow. And then the character sees color. Shaggy and stabby. Shaggy and stabby. Love it. Um, Addie says that Estelle would never pray to him. And he's like... Think of how sad she'd be to know that you did. Oof, that's rough. And it's so rough that Addie loses it and fucking slaps him. He loses it right back and tells her she forgets herself and maybe he's been too nice to her because she only asked for life, but he also gave her permanent youth, which has made her arrogant. And I was like, oh shit, like, is he going to age her? And then what does he do? He ages her. He turns her into a crone and tells her that he would take away these pains and let her rest only if she surrendered. She tells him to go to hell and he only laughs and then disappears and she's returned to her youthful self. I don't think that he can bear to see her old. I don't think, I feel like it, it comes to a point, maybe not yet, where if she surrendered, I feel like he'd be sad. Disappointed. You know, he'd be like, you know what? I don't want your soul anymore. He's like, mm, on second thought, do you want to keep this going for another like 300, 400 years? No? You got anything to do? No? Okay. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like he wouldn't, he'd be like, you know what? I'll just own you, but like stay you. Mm-hmm. I still want you in. I think this relationship excites him in a way that he hasn't been excited in a very long time. Well, because he's it's a chase. endless and so is she. And this, you know, his regular life is just boring for him. Same old thing. He's like, let's. Three and, years on yeah, repeat. Yeah. She's entertaining him. Yeah. So. It's back in the present, March 19th, 2014. And I gotta ask, we keep saying present. Why did she pick 2014? When did she write this? Well, it came out in 2020. Did she write it, like, that many years ago? Did something cool happen in 2014? I don't know. If anyone has any insight into why V.E. Schwab... Like, this is, like, six years ago. Maybe she wrote the story six years ago? Maybe. If anyone knows, please let us know. I kind of wonder that too. And I kept thinking that she wrote it in 2014, but you're right. It was published in 2020. Yeah. Okay. Well, if anyone knows, please let us know. Yes. Do tell us. <gasps> yes. I was like, oh, it's because 2014 is exactly 300 years after she made the whatever. But I'm like, okay, so she just could have bumped it up to she 1720, whatever the yeah, fuck. Yeah, exactly. So that yeah, 2020 is I don't, is I don't have a good reason. I don't yeah. have a good reason. So Addie wakes up and says that she should go and Henry asks her where she lives. She says that she manages, uh, but when he realizes that she doesn't actually have a place of her own, he tells her to stay. He pulls open a drawer, takes out what's inside, and tells her that she can put her stuff in there. That's how you know you've made it. Yes. She tells him she doesn't really have stuff. And he says that like when she does get stuff, that she can put them in there. She takes her leather jacket, which is bound to her because Luke gave it to her as like a gift, and she folds it and places it in the empty drawer. Mm-hmm. When she goes to leave the room, she nearly like steps on the notebook that's lying open on the floor, and she picks it up and she sees the words that are written on it, which are like her story written by Henry. And she reads like every word and then she sees, you know, all the remaining empty pages that are waiting to be filled and she is hopeful. Cute. At this point, I was like, is he going to publish her story? Wait and find out. Yes. Um, JK, yes, if you're a cat. 
She told you. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. We're telling you right now. You can end the episode right now. Um, no, please keep listening. Um, so we are back in the past and we are back in France in a city, which I'm about to attempt to pronounce. And it's, it looks like, like if I was doing it in my regular voice, I'd say for camp. That's definitely for camp. Maybe the P is silent. Maybe the P is silent. I don't know. Anyways, it is July 29, 1778. Addie is lying on a beach and she's reading Shakespeare's Tempest. Then Luke appears and starts reading it out loud and tells her that he was there when Shakespeare wrote it. Like, of course he was. Um, Addie's surprised, but Luke says, who do you think he called on in the dead of the night when the words would not come? You know, there's theories that like Shakespeare was not one person. In the dead of the night. Find her. Find her. Um, there's also a theory that Shakespeare is like this really um like wealthy earl. Mm, okay, wait. And he kept it like a secret. And there's actually a um I think a movie based on the idea that it was written by this earl and not 100% sure. Now don't quote me, but I think it's Jamie Campbell Bauer in it. Oh, love that. And this earl in based on this story, had, like, a thing with the Queen of England at the time. It was oh. Elizabeth I. Oh. And um, she loves he her found industry. some random person on the street named William Shakespeare, and he, like, would give him the plays to publish. No way. Yeah. But this is just one theory. There's also the theory that Shakespeare is more than one person. Yeah. I kind of like that theory because, like, didn't he write, like, a bajillion fucking plays? But I I also feel like it would be hard for it to be more than one person since all the styles of the plays are the same. I mean, kind of, but I don't know. I don't know. I kind of like the multiple theories thing. I just think it's, like... Like, multiple people? Yeah. The, yeah, the multiple people theory. I kind of like that. That's I don't know. I feel like, I feel like that's less believable i feel like maybe william shakespeare wasn't the real person who wrote it, it. was like a pseudonym or like yes a, like a cover like, up I, feel, I feel like if i'm gonna pick a theory i pick that one okay fair um but who knows and they're saying that that um this earl based on this theory this is a theory of my english teacher back in high school like died by like, oh really he really believe this one so he would tell us that like this earl was buried with all of like the original manuscripts or something Ooh, like that. why don't they just dig them up well because i feel like that's like illegal I don't know. Like, no, I refuse. Dig him up. They dig up. Other I think he's dug. I think he's buried in Westminster Abbey. Oh come on! You have to dig him up. <laughs> like one of those. It's you know, right those, there. There, there's like tiles. Yeah. Like, well, I don't know. Pull up the tiles. You think you can't? I don't know. This is my petition to the British, whatever the fuck that's in charge of bodies. Dig him up. I need to know. I want to remember. I want to know what the Earl's name was. Okay, Google it. I'll Earl, wait. who was Shakespeare? Okay, Edward De Vere. Okay, so Edward De Vere is the actual author, but he found this guy William Shakespeare, and he was like, "Hey, you." But wait, he why is the he... strongest candidate proposed for the authorship of Shakespeare's plays? But why would he not take the credit himself? Um, was he not allowed I to be think a writer? That something to do with like being wealthy? I don't know. Maybe like author was frowned upon i don't know i don't know very curious about this if you know more if you're like an english actually we have a couple english majors that listen to this podcast so please contact us oh Um, yeah the movie is called anonymous anonymous i love that and it's not (laughs) it's not who was it um i don't really know oh wait what's the actor's name reese Evans. who the fuck who's that i don't know i swear there was jamie campbell bauer in it 
Oh, he is in it, but not Shakespeare. He let me let me see. What does he play? Oh, he's he okay. I was right. He plays the young Edward de Vere. Okay, got you. And the older person is a guy named Reese Fans. I don't okay, know. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I've never so watched it. He does play it. young um, Edward de Vere, the 17th Earl of Oxford. Anyways. Would you recommend the movie? I watched it so long ago, I can't even remember. But okay. just purely because it's in it, 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 there are some steamy scenes, though. Oh, into it, into it. Okay, maybe I gotta watch it. Um, so, yeah, we find out that the devil inspired Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Sure. It starts raining, and Luke tells Addie to walk with him. He brings her to a literal church, and Addie is surprised that he can set foot on sacred ground. This was also shocking to me. She tells him that her parents were believers of God, but she never understood why she should believe in something she couldn't feel, hear, or see. He tells her that that is what they would call faith. Um, to which she replies, says the devil in the house of God. And I'm like, ooh, this is getting religious. biblical. I love it. Um, he says that a house is a house, and this one belongs to all. He's like, you think me the devil now? Well, the devil is simply a new word for a very old idea. And as for God, well, if all it takes is a flair for drama and a bit of golden trim. And I'm like, oh, true. But then he like changes his appearance to look godlike. Yeah. Boom. So apparently that's all it takes. That's all it takes, man. He tells her that the difference between them is he will always answer, aka like the difference between like him and God, which is true because she had prayed to the other gods before she prayed to Luke and who was the fuck the one who showed up? Maybe he's got nothing better to do. Yeah, but he... I don't know. Why do you want souls so bad? What, what do you do with them? Doesn't he... Like, if we're going with this whole shtick that he's a devil, doesn't he get a lot of those? But, like, what do you do with them? You just you just watch them burn in hell? Like, is that really fun for you? He collects them. But, like, for why? This is, like, some Where does he keep them? Does he keep them color. in, like, little jars? Like, but that's my thing. Like, the, with the way... Like, later on, and like, just... You kind of get to see, like, how he takes a soul or whatever. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, so what are you doing with it? Maybe like, is it like powerful? That's what I was going to say. Like, maybe he has to eat them to, like, maybe. stay alive forever. Mm-hmm. Like a soul eater type thing? Maybe. Maybe. That's, like, the theory I prescribed to. Because, like, I really don't understand, like, as the devil, like, what are you doing with them? Like, for what? He makes a cute coat out of it you know like what is your purpose cute pair of jeans um cute top and pair of jeans yeah what are you wearing jeans and cute top bury me in jeans and cute top um underneath the tree when i'm 100 gotcha thank you breaking this down thank you um god makes promises while he pays up front he being the devil he says that he is hardly the only god who trades in souls but while god lets souls wither on shelves he waters them maybe as a tiny soul garden i don't know I don't know. I literally don't know. Um, She asks him what a soul really looks like, and he tells her that he can show her. All she has to do is say the word, and he will show her her own soul. If she surrenders, he promises that the last thing she will see is the truth. She tells him that she would rather live and wonder, and he's just like, sue yourself. And he dips. He's like, bye. So we're back in the present, and it's March 23rd, 2014, we're in New York City, and Henry wants to bring Addie to a place that she hasn't been to yet, which is hard to find, since she's, you know, 300 years old. Yeah. So he brings her to Grand Central Station, and she's like, um, everyone's been here. Um, but he brings her to these, like, tile arches. He draws her into a corner where the arches split and tells her to stay there and listen. Then he goes across the hall to the opposite side of the arch, about 30 feet away, and he turns into the corner and starts talking, and Addie can hear it from where she is. It's some phenomenon called a whispering gallery that happens when, like, space bends just right. And so she ends up telling him a story through the walls. And this is the story she tells. 
Is this real though? The Whispering Gallery? I want to go. <laughs> I don't know, but there's got to be more than one place you can do it. We should Google it later. I want to go to one. But yes, anyways, to the story that she tells Henry, we are in Paris. It's July 29th. It's 1789. There is a revolution going on in Paris because if Paris loves anything, it is a good revolution. No one does revolution like the French. No one does a fucking revolution like the French. I love it. They're always ready to throw down and revolt. Addie finds herself surrounded by half a dozen men. She's like, vive la France. Uh, but they don't leave because she's trying to like, you know, blend in. She's like, maybe if I just say like, vive la France to everyone, they'll like, leave me alone. And instead, they ask her what she's doing there. And they think that she might be a spy. She tells them that she's not a spy. She's just lost. They tell her to take off her hat and lower her sword. I love that she was carrying around a sword. Addie takes her hat off and hopes that they don't realize that she's a girl. She knows that by the way their faces change that they know that she's a girl immediately and they start kind of closing in on her. Addie draws her sword and tells them to stay back and to her surprise, the men stop walking. And then Luke appears. Gunfire starts going off in the distance and Luke tells her to follow him and she follows him through like this darkness that she describes has a violence to it. I'm like, God damn, like that sounds like it's awful. Sounds no fun. Mm-hmm. He brings her to Florence. And I'm like, this is excellent. I love Florence. I am so happy to be here right now. So yes, she's in Florence now. She tells him to bring her back. And he asks her if she would really rather be in the burning streets of Paris, which I'm like, good question. She assumed he would be fond of war, but he says that he is a god of promise and wars make terrible patrons. She tells him that she's confused because sometimes he loves to see her suffer and others, he tries to spare her from it. He says that he just wants to be the one to break her and disappears, leaving her in Florence. See, this is my thing. He doesn't want, like, he doesn't actually want her to suffer. He wants to be the one to torment her to the point where she surrenders based on his torment, not the fact that there's right, a war in France. Right, but what if she surrendered? Like, would he really be satisfied then? No, or I don't would think he get, so. like, sad because then afterwards he'd get bored again? You know? He'll never be satisfied. Literally. He'll never be satisfied. No, never. So, back in the present, April 6, 2014, and Addie and Henry are at a restaurant, and she has just finished telling him the story of Luke leaving her in Florence. Addie wants to leave without paying, since the server won't remember her, but Henry says that the server will still remember him because he is not invisible, which Addie doesn't like being called. Ooh. He tells her that it would be wrong not to pay, so she takes a handful of 20s to pay, but he's like, well, where did you get that money? And she's like, does it matter? And he says, yes. Uh, she tells him that, you know, this is what works for her, but he says that it won't work for them. Them. Addie starts to fear that she's messed things up and asks him if, you know, she's ruined their relationship, and he tells her, like, calm down, it was just a fight, you know, this isn't the end for us. Mm -hmm. Yet. <laughs> You didn't say the yet part, but... Sad times. Um, she says that she doesn't know how to, like, be with someone or even how to be normal. And he tells her that um, it's safe to say that she'll never be normal. They walk home and he asks her if she ever went back to Paris. And she says, you know, eventually. But she thinks about how Luke, in a way, set her free by bringing her to Florence. Because without that push, she might have never left. Yeah, because she has to fucking walk everywhere. <laughs> That's why. Could you imagine walking to Florence? That's what I'm saying. Like, if it's not for Luke, like, she really can't get anywhere. Like, you can't lie to get yourself on a plane these days. You know? Truly. Like, like, like she how can never... she? How can she... Now that she's in New, in New York, she probably can never leave the States. No. Unless... Or, I mean, I guess... She... I can... 
no, she can't cross a border unless yeah, she, but like, she can, walks she can it. cross to into Canada through a border that's like through the areas that don't have a border, you know? Yeah, because it's not really protected, right? Like there are some cities that are literally both in Canada and in the States. Yeah, you can like, just, like, on like, the do, 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 West Coast. Like, walk or, like, over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I guess she can go to Mexico if she walks through the desert. Yeah. I just feel like, like, but she can't really, you know? I, I don't know. I I, maybe she's been in New York this whole time. Does she charter her own I mean, there's boat? also a lot of time of, of her life that we literally don't know. I know, that's went. true, that's true. Um, so we are in Venice. It is July 29th, 1806, another wonderful place. And Addie wakes up in a bed next to a man named Matteo, perched at the foot of it. He doesn't remember her, but her presence there doesn't seem to bother him. He's like super chill that she's there. He's like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah. This happens to me all the time. He's sketching her in a sketch pad. Painting like one of your French girls. Literally. Literally. Oh my god, true. He shows her the sketch. Um, and it is her, but like also not her. It's just kind of like an image distorted by the filter of someone else's style. So like it's, it's vaguely reminiscent of her, but like not really. Yeah. And is this the picture? It's based. Or actually, no, I think this is the sketch, yeah. Is this the pic, the, yeah. the one where... And then he based this sketch on, like, a bigger masterpiece, which he calls The Muse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he asks her if she likes it, and she says yes. He asks her if she had a good time last night, and um, confesses that he actually can't remember it. She lies and says that she doesn't remember it either, and he says that it must have been a good time then. And I'm like, mm. She goes to leave and tells him to remember her, and he responds, how could I possibly forget? Quite, quite simply yeah, when very, she closes the door. Very easily. Yeah. That night, she's thinking about the drawing and how ideas are wilder than memories. And then Luke appears and asks her if she had enough. And she smiles and says, not tonight. She thinks of telling him why, that she's found a way to leave a mark. Um, but she says nothing because she's keeping her little small victories to herself at this point. Yes. Because he would just find a way to take it away from her. A hundred percent. So back in the present, April 25th, 2014 in New York, Henry and Addie are watching a charity concert. They talk about how Addie remembers everything and every day Addie has been telling him all of her stories. She notices though that he is always full of like some kind of nervous energy, unable to sit still for too long. And she's like constantly teasing him for like the urgency with which he writes her stories down saying that they have time like relax like we i don't have to tell you my stories every waking second but yeah, little does she know you know what song this reminds me of why do you write like you're running out of time why, why do, do you write, write like you're running, running out of that's good yeah, yeah. that's yeah. good very accurate yep yep um flashback we are in london it is march 26 1827 and for those of you who live in canada this is england not london ontario <laughs> Imagine she was in fucking London, Ontario. That wouldn't be very less romantic. We also have a Paris, Ontario, I think. No, I think that's Paris, Texas. No, I swear we have a Paris too. Do we? I think so. I'm looking it up. Google it. Pause. Googs it. (laughs) Oh my god, I'm literally dead. I don't think there is a Paris, Ontario. I swear there is. Hey, right. Ha ha! Paris, Ontario. Paris, Ontario. Love it. Um, and the only reason I know this is because when I say, whenever I talk about like being to Paris, my dad was like, I've been to Paris too. Paris, Ontario. (laughs) Oh, dad jokes. Yeah. Love a good dad joke. So yes, we're in London, March 26, 1827. And Addie is in the National Gallery. There are six pieces in this collection that were all inspired by her. And I'm like, must be nice. Um, including Matteo's masterpiece called The Muse. 
She stops in front of her favorite piece and then Luke appears telling her how clever she is. So he's finally like found out kind of thing. Then they play that game where they like bait each other. Addie is like, ideas are wilder than memories and I can be wild. I can be stubborn as the weeds and you will not root me out. And I think you are glad of it. I think that's why you come because you are lonely too. See, she called him out. He loves it too. She really did call him out. She called his ass out. And he was like, ooh, this is getting uh, personal. Luke is like, don't be absurd. Gods are known to everyone. And Addie says, but remembered by so few. How many mortals have been a part of your life as long as I have? Perhaps that's why you cursed me as you did, so you could have some company, so someone could remember you. Hmm. Hmm. She calls him just as fickle and wanting as the humans he looks down on. And this sets him off. He's like... You seem to know me so well now. Let's see if you're right. And he drags her through the darkness again and brings her to someone's bedroom. And I'm like, what the fuck's going down? He tells her that she confuses him for a lonely mortal or a heartsick human in need of company, but that he is neither. There's a man in the room pleading in German, asking for more time. But Luke says time is up and calls him Beethoven. And I was like, the Beethoven? Yes, the Beethoven. The Beethoven. The dog, obviously. Stop. <laughs> like a little St. Bernard talking in German to the literal devil. Um, Luke tells him to surrender his soul or he will take it by force. Then Luke changes form into like a monster, something she's never seen before and she cannot bear to look at it. This monster plunges its hand into Beethoven's chest and takes out his soul. Then- Allah, once upon a time. <laughs> oh, I was literally thinking of a uh, hawk from a... Uh, from Blood and Ash, doesn't he literally pull someone's heart out of his chest? Or Castiel, sorry. Spoiler alert. Okay, yeah, I guess. But yeah. I was thinking of Once Upon a Time. I know, I know. Literally pulling out each other's hearts. Hearts. But they're like hearts actually contain their soul or something. I don't know. Uh, Either way. Fun pastime, really. After Luke does this, he looks at Addie and it's the first time she's felt fear in a very, very long time. He transforms back into Luke and asks her if they are so different now before pushing her back into the darkness and sending her back to France. And I was like, this is fucking rude. She's having a grand old time in Italy and you're just going to toss her back to France. Like, what does it mean? Let me stay in Italy. The pizza's good. The pasta's good. I just want to see Matteo again. Exactly. So actually she was in London. Oh, true. True, 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 true. My bad. My bad. Send her back to Italy is basically my point. (laughs) Maybe she likes London. I guess. I can't talk shit. I've never been to London. It's great. I love it there. Okay. I gotta go. Then I can pass judgment. Yes. Back in present day, it's May 15th, 2014 in New York, and Henry is trying to take Polaroid pictures of of Addie, but the pictures aren't really turning out. He tries a bunch of times before there's literally a pile of photos littering the floor. Addie is staring at them, and then Henry puts the camera in her hands and folds her fingers over his and they take a picture of the photos on the floor and you can see her bare feet at the bottom of the frame and this time the picture comes out cute because like her feet don't count her feet aren't her face exactly. and this is why you should sell feet pics <laughs> we'd make a killing you know what okay i'm not gonna lie i think about it sometimes not actually selling my feet pictures but just the phenomenon and listen i don't knock anything that makes you money as long as you're being safe you're literally just selling feet pics. And if people are willing to pay for it, fucking more power to you, you know? Yeah, for sure. I don't have cute feet though. I have cute feet. Yeah, you have nice feet. I do not have nice feet. My feet look like literal flippers. Like if they were webbed, I would be the best swimmer. <laughs> you know? Like I feel like I would make no feet pic money. But it is what it is. You can't have everything in life, you know? Um, you have a pretty face. Thank you. But I'm not going to And you have sell. pretty nails. 
That's true. I don't think maybe I could sell the nails after I take them off. <laughs> Ew. People would want that? I, honestly, there's I probably, feel like there's a market there's for There's a market it. for there's everything, yeah, for sure. ladies and gentlemen. For sure. My only thing is don't sell anything that has like your DNA on it so you could be like framed for a crime or something, you know? That's my only Ooh, good point. You know? Yeah. Like you know people are like, oh, like send me your hairbrush with hair in it. I'm like, don't do that. Why? So your DNA can be planted at a fucking crime scene? Things Facts. I think about. Interesting things. Interesting things. So, flashback again. It's Villon, and it's July Villon, 29th, 1854. Mm-hmm. And Addie has returned to her hometown yet again. And this time, she sees that her father's work shop has been cleared away, and a new family has moved into her family home. She visits the cemetery and sees that the tree she planted has grown and now, like, um, looms over Estelle's grave. I love that. She makes her way to Estelle's old house and sees a boy there that she scares off by calling herself a witch. Love that. A witch. And she then goes into the woods and Luke appears asking her, like, what keeps driving her back there. And she just says, you know, nostalgia. But he calls it weakness and asks her if she's tired yet. He tells her that he could bury her beside Estelle and plant a nice tree over her. And Adi thinks that even though she may be tired, every day she wakes up and remembers that there is beauty in the world and she doesn't want to miss any of it. So she looks at Luke and just says, tired? No, I'm just waking up. What a fucking flex. She's like, you thought. You thought. (laughs) Haha, but joke's on you. We are back in present day, New York City, June 13th, 2014. Like, time is skipping ahead it's, it is a skipping lot more ahead. now. It's, it's jumping. Um, Addie and Henry are going to the bar to celebrate his birthday with his friends, Robbie and B. What does this what? make him a Gemini? Oh my god, can you Google this, please? June 13th. What is he? I think he's a Gemini. He gives me Gemini vibes, so, like, that would make a lot of sense. He's a Gemini, isn't he? Gemini. Gemini. That was right. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I can, in my I can see it, I though. I can see it. I can see it. Um, when they get there, Henry reintroduces Addie to his friends, and B is like, you look so familiar, and Robbie isn't super enthusiastic about meeting her, and it's basically just the same thing that's happened every single fucking time these people have met her, yep. seemingly for the first time. Then someone announces that Toby Marsh will be taking the stage, and Addie knows him. Obviously, he's the guy... From the beginning half of the book, um, and they wrote that song together, right? So, well, inadvertently wrote the song together. Toby starts singing the song that they wrote together. Um, Addie never actually gave him the words to the song, just the melody, and yet he's singing about being in love with a girl he's never met. And I'm like, oh shit, like maybe people do feel remnants of her when she's gone, you know? When the song ends, she runs outside and feels like she can't breathe. Henry follows her outside and asks her what's wrong. She starts crying and tells him that she can't go back in there. He asks her if she knows Toby and she tells him that she did at one point and he asks her if she still has feelings for him. Um, she does still have feelings for Toby. She never gets closure, but it's not like love, you know? And that's what he's asking her. So she tells Henry no, but that seeing Toby caught her off guard. Henry asks her if she wants to go home, but she shakes her head and they go back inside and have to restart meeting his friends all over again. God, what a bummer. Very, very It's annoying. such a bummer. Yeah. So, but, okay, this is, here's, okay. Yes. Use your words. They remember Henry. Yes. They remember seeing Henry before. Yes. Did they just forget? Like, 
they don't even remember what Henry said in relation to Addie? Is that also I erased? I think if they say, um, I think he can say her name. That's... So anything he says, they'll remember. Right, but so then by proxy, shouldn't they at least remember at the very least her name? Because like he's talking he about it. That's why when they say, um, oh, it's nice to finally meet you because they know Addie is her name. Oh, I see what you're saying. She's like, guys, this is, this is Addie. And they're like, oh, oh yes, nice, nice to, to finally meet you. you. Henry oh, okay. has talked so much about you. Oh, okay, got you, got yes. you. So anything he says and he writes, they, they, they can remember. Okay, okay, got you. It's anything she does, right? Because if someone else does mm-hmm, the action, mm-hmm. it doesn't count. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, got you, got you. All right, all right, good explanation. So we're en route to Berlin. It's a train. We're on a train, in case you're wondering. I love trains. Um, it's July 29th, 1872. Addie is on a train to Berlin, and the conductor asks her for her ticket. She says she forgot it in her room, and he follows her, and she starts to panic because she doesn't actually have a ticket. See, this is my this is my thing. As, as travel becomes more modern, you know, it's becoming a lot harder for her to, like, keep up the shtick. Yeah, but if she just, like, she was hoping to, like... Oh, I'll go get it. I'll go get it in my room, and then he would turn around and yeah, she'd yeah. be free. Mm-hmm. Um, she stops before like a random room and opens the door, and Luke is there. He pretends Addie is his wife and gives the conductor a ticket. He draws her into the room and then brings her into the darkness. And now they are on the streets of Munich, and they are standing on the steps of an opera house. And Addie is wearing a beautiful gown. Luke brings her to see an opera, which she later learns is called Tristan and Isolde. Yeah. Und. Und is old. It's Tristan in, und. It's in German. Yeah. She is mesmerized by the opera, and at one point she, like, tears her gaze away from the players on the stage to see that Luke is actually watching her as opposed to the, the actual opera. Mm. Later, she Love realizes that. that this was the first night that he did not ask her to surrender or mention anything about her soul. So they're on a date. Yes. He asks her if she can guess which one of the players are his and she asks him if he is there to claim them he says not tonight but soon and she doesn't understand why anyone would trade a lifetime of talent for a few years of glory and he explains that time is cruel and talent fades and in the end everyone wants to be remembered Mm -hmm. and then by the end of the show Addie is left wondering if all the things that she loves is because of him like the opera yeah 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 He's shown her so many things. Mm-hmm. Even though he's this like toxic ass person, he's really the reason why she's seen so much of the world exactly. that she loves so much, yeah. you know? Um, back in present day, New York City, July 4th. Oh, 4th of July, 2014. Addie and Henry are at a party at Robbie's place for 4th of July. Addie notices that Henry has been in a strange mood all day. She asks him what's wrong, but he says nothing. Um, but Addie knows that it's a lie. That night when they get home, Henry asks her why she didn't tell him her real name when they first met. And I'm like, is this really what you're thinking about? This happened so long ago. She explains that she didn't think she could because normally when she tries to say her name, it always gets stuck in her throat. He asks her what was the point since if she was going to be forgotten, like, why does it matter if she tells the truth? I guess, which I mean, makes it's it's great. It's like, why did you take that away from her? Like, why did you take that piece of identity away from her? Um, She's like, Great question. But she thinks that Luke wanted to erase her to make sure she felt unseen and unreal. And I'm like, he was trying to like dehumanize her. Yes, because you don't know the power of a name until you can't say it. Can you imagine? Like it's it's so interwoven into your identity, right? Um, he asks her when was the last time she saw him, and Addie says almost 30 years ago, because they had a falling out at that point. 
Um, but there is an order to her story and she'll tell him that particular story when they get to it. So flashback again. It's the Cotswold, England. I don't know what that is, but the, the Cotswolds. It's December know. 31st, 1899. It's snowing and Addie is playing in the snow and Luke appears and says, 200 years and you're still behaving like a child. Rude. It's fun to play in the snow. They walk to a little house and they sit by the fire and he tells her that he saw an elephant in Paris and she's like, and so what, you thought of me? He's like, yes, I did. Because I'm very like elephants. I love it. Elephants never forget. True. Oh. He tells her that this is a terrible way to usher out the year and tells her to come with him. But she tells him that she is happy there and she doesn't trust him to bring her back. So she wants to stay. So instead, he sits beside her and conjures up wine and he tells her about Paris. He tells her that she would enjoy it and she says that she probably would. She listens to him talk and at some point she like drifts to sleep and when she wakes up, he's gone and she wonders if he was ever really there. At this point, I was like wondering if he even wanted to take her soul at this point. I was like, you know? Yeah. Um. All right, we are part six. I believe that this is the final part. No. There's one more part. Afterwards. One more part. Okay, fine. This one is called Do Not Pretend That This Is Love. And I knew that it was going to hurt my feelings when I read that part. Um, we are in Vion. It is July 29th, 1914. Addie is back in her hometown and she notices how much it's changed. Obviously, we're in a new century. She goes to visit Estelle's grave and she sees that all that's left of the tree is a jagged tree stump, which is so devastating to her. She's absolutely devastated by this loss. Um, and she just sits there in the rain until dusk. This reminds me of um, The Giving Tree. Have you read that? No. Is that really... But I have heard of it. Yeah. Um, it makes me cry every time I read it. Every time I read it to any kid ever, I have to pre-read it for myself to get my tears out on the first go. Then Luke appears saying he's sorry. She asks him if he did it and he denies it saying, I can be cruel, but nature can be crueler. Then she notices a charred line along the center of the stump. So clearly the tree was struck by lightning. And I'm like, what are the fucking chances of that? You know what I mean? Well, it has been like 300 years almost. Yeah, that's true. So I, I mean, guess the chances of that happening and pretty that, high. Yeah. After that many years. Fair enough. Um, he tells her to come with him and she never goes back home. Like she, she doesn't like go to her house or anything. He brings her to Paris and they sit on a patio along the Seine to celebrate their anniversary. See, this is becoming really romantic. And I'm like, what is going on? What happened to the original plot of the movie? He tells her that when she said they were both alike, because they were both lonely, he hated her for it. But in some ways, she was right. She asks him if he misses her, and he tells her that he is with her more often than she thinks. She says, you get to come and go when you want, but I have no choice but to wait. He's like, oh, you wait for me. And she's like, we all crave company. Like, they're really trying to, like, be flippant and, like, play off this, like, relationship that they have. He's like, and if you could call on me as I call on you. And he gives her back her ring, the one he destroyed all those years ago when she made the deal. Um, she thought he destroyed it, but turns out he just like took it kind of thing. All she has to do is put it on and he will come. So it's like summoning him basically. And that's why she was so wigged out and very careful not to put it on, um, in the present day. He then warns her that a war is about to begin and he hates wars because suddenly everyone's clinging to their souls. He tells her to leave before it starts and offers to take her, but she says no. And he leaves. She does leave, though, taking a ship to New York, and by the time she arrives, war begins. So I'm like, okay, so she, like, finessed her way onto a boat, basically. I feel like back then it was probably easier. Yeah, 100%. There was probably so many people going that, like, meh. It was easy to just snake on. Just or, like, think about the Titanic. 
That wasn't technically him. True. He had someone else's like passport. Identity. True. Like, yeah, he used someone else's name True. to get on the boat. True. Uh, okay, so we're present day, July 29th, 2014. Addie wakes up to Henry giving her a birthday cake saying that it's not every day your girlfriend turns 300. True. Henry tells her that he has the whole day planned, but she's not into it, saying that they shouldn't be together today since it's like her anniversary with Luke and she's mm-hmm, afraid that Luke's mm-hmm. going to show up any second. And he says like, oh, you know, how many days has he ruined? Don't let him take it from you, from us. He tells her that she deserves a good day and a good memory and this manages to convince her. He then takes her to the beach and they have a great day. And then on their way home, he tells her that he loves her and she says it back and she wants it to be true, but she can't help but wondering if love is supposed to be this gentle, kind thing. And she thinks about the difference between heat and warmth and passion and contentment. This is like the song, The Way I Loved You by Taylor Swift. You know, when she's like dating like the good guy, but like all she can think about is Screaming aloud and kissing in the rain. 2 a.m. and I'm cursing on... You know? Yeah, well, because she's comparing her this relationship to the one she has with Luke. With Luke, which is so, like, hot and, like, pat, well, we come to learn. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, So we have a little flashback. We are in Chicago, July 29th, 1928. Chicago, Chicago. Is that from... Victorious. Oh, that is not what I was thinking. <laughs> You're thinking of the musical? Yeah. I was no, like, there's is like it this, from Chicago? It's like this Nickelodeon show called Victoria. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't know that that was and like... And her sister does like a one-woman play. Love that. And she goes to Chicago. Nice. And she's like, Chicago, Chicago. I can't think of... I can't see the word Chicago and not think of that. Cute. No, it's really not. <laughs> You're like, actually, no, it's infiltrated it's, my I, brain. Yeah, I wish it would erase itself. Mm-hmm um Addie is currently at a speakeasy she plays um with the ring that she ends up hanging on a silver cord around her neck 14 years she's resisted the urge to put it on and he hasn't come for 14 years which makes Addie believe that this is just another game she goes to the bar and orders a drink but the bartender gives her champagne with a single candied rose petal floating in it and says it's from the man in the booth and I'm like oh okay Addie looks over to see Luke sitting there and walks over to him and says that she won because she didn't call and yet he was the one who came to her. He says that she assumes he's there for her and says that she actually came to him because this place is his so technically he won and I'm like oh god you guys are the fucking worst just bang already. Um, She's like it is only chance that like I ended up here kind of thing and she didn't call and he's like no but I was tired of waiting. And she so sh- she did win. Uh, she did win. And she's shocked, saying that he missed her. And he tells her that life is long and she is better company than humans. And I'm like, oh my god, are they making like actual progress with each other or is this all going to go to shit? She says that she is human, but he responds saying that she has not been human since the night that they met. Which I mean, like, I don't she's think immortal. is... She's Yeah, I don't think he's wrong. Like, you know no, what I mean? Yeah. She's not human. Mm-hmm. She's human, she would age, and she would die. Yeah. She's like some mix of a vampire type thing. Exactly. She doesn't eat human Exactly. Blood. She moves among them like a ghost, but she can't live or love like them or belong with them. And then um, says that she belongs to him with him. You're mine. You're mine. Literally. Literally. They're mates. No, Possession. Possession. I know. It's a possessive kind of love. It's not even like a gentle, nurturing type of love. Um... She tells him that she would rather be a ghost and he's like, suit yourself. And this time she's the one to leave. And I'm like, oh, this is getting like spicy. Like what's going on? says that. Suit yourself. Suit yourself. I will. Thank you. So now that you mention it, I will. We are back in the present. Um, New York, 
July 29th, 2014, and they get home from the beach and they take a nap, and when Addie wakes up, it's dark outside. Henry is still asleep, but she gets out of bed and goes into the hall expecting to see Luke somewhere in the apartment. But he is not there and it's been almost 30 years and she is tired of waiting for him. Henry wakes up and they decide to go out for dinner. And then at the bar, Henry orders two beers, but the bartender gives them one beer and a champagne with a candied rose petal floating in it. And the bartender tells them and it's from the man sitting over there, but when he goes to point him out, he's no longer there. Of course not. Addie tells Henry that he has to go, but it's too late and Luke steps out of the shadow and says, my love, you're looking well. I'm sweating. Addie asks him what he's doing there and he says that it's their anniversary. But Addie says, you know, it's been 30 years. And he's like, well, whose fault is that? And Addie says, yours entirely. They bicker like an old married couple. And it's super hot. Mm -hmm. Luke looks at Henry and Addie tells him that Henry has nothing to do with this. So send him away and he'll just forget. But Luke is like, as if I don't keep track of all my deals. What a fine pair you two make. See, there's no way they met by chance. And Addie's like, well, then fine. Just leave us alone. But Luke says that he has no intention of pulling them apart because time will do that soon enough. And Addie is confused and Luke says that humans live such short lives, some far shorter than others, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and tells them to savor the time that they have left, and then he disappears. Addie finally realizes what Luke meant, and she turns to Henry and asks him how long did he actually ask for. And Henry finally tells her, the truth. So we flash back to that night that he made the deal, which was September 4th, 2013. And that night, Henry actually went out onto the roof and walked all the way to the edge. And that is where the stranger found him and made an offer, not for a lifetime, but for a single year. And there was no hesitation because in that moment, Henry would have sold his soul for less, just for a day of peace, to numb the pain in his chest, to quiet the storm inside his head. And so he simply said yes. So that's the truth of what happened that night. He didn't, yeah. he wasn't sitting on the steps, fucking chilling, yeah, he waiting. He wasn't contemplating going on the roof. He, was, he actually was about to you potentially know. Stop, step off the roof. Exactly. So back in present day, July 29th, 2014, it finally makes sense to Addie now why Henry could never sit still or waste time. But she asks him how he could give up so much for so little. And he tells her that in that moment, he would have given it for less. Addie leaves him and goes into the street and takes out the ring and puts it on. But Luke doesn't come and she's so furious that she takes off the ring and throws it into the street. And then Luke appears, saying that after all these years, she still has quite a temper. He's such a dick. She asks him to undo it and he tells her that there was a time when she would have pleaded for his help. And Addie's like, if you want me to beg, then I'll beg. And he says that Henry made his deal, but Addie tries to say that Henry didn't know like what he was doing, but Luke is like, well, they always know. They just don't want to accept the cost. True. She tries to plead with him, and he tells her to spend tomorrow night with him, and then maybe he'll consider freeing Henry. Addie knows that it's a trap, but she has no other choice, so she accepts. She goes to find Henry at home, and he is sitting on the bed, and tells her that he's sorry, and she asks him how much time he actually has left. And he says, only 35 days. Oh my gosh. Ugh, I would be so fucking pissed off at him. Um, We have a flashback. We are in occupied France, November 23rd, 1944. And Addie is in a prison cell. When the war started, she was in Boston, but she decided to go back to France to help. And she spent the last three years like ferrying secrets, kind of like a 
spy because literally if, a spy. if there's like there's no one better suited to be a spy you know what i mean someone you would literally never remember exactly. telling something to exactly but forgettable is not the same thing as invisible and she ended up getting captured by the germans she pulls out the ring and thinks that it's been 29 years and she hasn't used it but today she puts it on and hopes he comes so she's like at her wit's end at this point at first she thinks that it's just another trick to give her hope but then he actually does appear um, Luke asks her how she is going to get out of this one and she says that she always finds a way she knows he wants her to beg but she can't bring herself to do it and I'm like bruh if there is a time to beg it's now it is fucking now and of course he says his famous line suit yourself and starts turning away and she tells him to wait and then the bars of the cells unlock and she tumbles out of the cell like basically into him kind of thing she then finds herself back in boston and by the time she looks up to thank him he's gone and i'm like see he didn't even stay to gloat that's how you know like something's changed he did it because he also didn't want her to be there yeah he didn't do it just to rub it in her face you know so i'm like this this getting this getting dicey here so back in the present july 30th 2014 Henry asks Addie why she agreed to this, and she says that she doesn't want to lose him. She says that he may have made peace with this, but she hasn't. Henry is like, you know, it's not going to work. You can't reason with him. But Addie says that she's willing to try. Mm -hmm. Addie slips on the ring, and then Luke knocks on the apartment door. She tells Henry to trust her, and then she leaves with Luke. She tells Luke that there are rules tonight. She won't leave the city, and she won't travel through the darkness with him, and then they get in a car. Oh, a car. This is a change of pace here. Um, flashback again. We are in LA, April 7th, 1952. Addie is spending the day with a sculptor named Max who asked her if he could walk with her the minute that he saw her because he's so enamored with her. Addie has been seeing him for a while now. He obviously just doesn't remember it. She tells him that it's her birthday and he takes her to a restaurant and they have champagne. Um, then Luke appears and makes Max leave. She asks him why he has to be such an ass. And Luke asks her how long she's been with Max. And I'm like, oh my God, like he's jealous. Like he's literally getting jealous. She says two months, um, but it's not so bad because he falls for her every single day. But Luke is like, but he forgets you every night. And I'm like, that's the fucking caveat right there. You know, Addie says, at least he keeps me company. And Luke is like, so would I if you wanted it yes (laughs) she wants it we all want it we want it i know it's so bad and i probably need therapy but like you know you know it's wrong when you're literally attracted to the devil i know that's how you know it's like fucked someone make um tiktok povs of falling in love with luke the devil literally someone i want to i want to watch it i have I want to watch it. Exactly. I love him. Um, Addie's like, well, you got rid of my date, so the least you can do is fill the space. He tells her they can do better than this place, and he brings her to this club called the Cicada Club. She asks him to dance with her, but when he hesitates, she tells him that Max would have danced with her, and then he gets up and dances with her. And I'm like, oh my God, he's such a boy. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, well, Luke, well, well, Max would have done it. And he's like, well, I could fucking do better than Max. And like, gets up. He tells her that even if everyone she met remembered her, he would still know her the best. She's like, but do I know you? And he's like, you're the only one who does. Why am I falling in love with this man? Why? He has the lines. Tell me why. He knows what to say. Exactly. Um, tell me why. Anyways, um, while they're dancing, he tells her that he wants her and she's like, you just want me as a prize. And he asks if it is such a bad thing to be relished. Oh, I can't get through this paragraph. It's not even that. It's not even that. I literally can't. I'm literally dying. 
Um, and then they're kissing, and then the next thing you know, they're in a hotel room, and she thinks that she's kissed a lot of people, but none of them will ever kiss like him. Mm. She describes, like, the difference between kissing as, like, being, like, seeing in only black and white, and then seeing in full color, and I'm, like, kissing him. Yeah. Yeah. TikTok POV. See? You make me glow. Just as she kisses him. Oh my god, I love it. It writes itself. She met her soulmate. She met her soul. Seeing in color. She met her soulmate who also happens to be the man that wants to steal her soul but that's another story um and then they have sex and in the morning he tells her that it's been so long since he hasn't wanted to leave i'm dying i'm literally dying he's like this is not okay i know but then i'm like oh is he just doing this to like lull her into a false sense of security and like rip the rug out from under her or is this actually how he feels i honestly don't know even like after i know everything that's transpired i still don't 100% me neither know. but i think that's to v schwab's credit yeah. that she she does such an excellent job of playing it so vague um so yeah he says like he hasn't wanted to leave and she's like then don't but he says he has to since he's literal darkness she asks him if he will vanish with the sun and he says that he will go where there is dark again and she gets up closes the curtains and says that it is dark again and then he pulls her back onto the bed so the next chapter is literally just like a time period it's like 1952 to like 1968 and it starts out as just sex between her and luke Mm. and at first she thinks that it is just something that they need to get out of their system but then he comes to find her two months later and then it's weeks later and then it's only days later oh my god he can't say wait either yes and Addie tries to make herself like small promises like not to stay in his arms not to fall asleep beside him but obviously she doesn't keep any of these promises not working out for her yeah and then obviously like she said it just started off as sex but then he asks her to dine with him to dance with him to be with him and she decides that she doesn't hate him anymore and all she knows is that she's tired and he is the place that she wants to rest and somehow she is happy but she has to constantly remind herself that he is not human and this is not love yeah see this is this is what i mean like but you're not human either babe i know and maybe it is love for i don't know i don't know i just don't know what to think um we're in present day new york city july 30th 2014 and luke asks Addie if she remembers the opera in munich he says that the wonder in her eyes at the sight of something new um that was when he knew that he'd never win oh my god i actually can't i can't function <laughs> he's so hot he's so smooth the like, words that come out of his mouth because it's just like that admittance that like it's literally like one of those things where it's like do you really like men or do you like men ridden by women? It's true. It's true. Because, like, look at what he just said. Like, he literally just admitted this game that they've played for how many fucking years. He's a literal god of, like, darkness, whatever. And he's admitting to her that, like, he lost to her and he's not even mad about it. Like, it's so hot. I can't. Um, he brings her to a fancy French restaurant And he asks her if she missed him and she thinks about how he is the only constant in her life and she has missed him. She missed him the way someone might miss the sun in winter, miss the sound of his voice, but he deserved none of her pain because it was his fault that no one remembered and his fault that she lost everything. And it must be so hard to reconcile. Like, but think think of the language she uses to describe how she misses him. I know. Like someone, how someone would miss the sun in winter. Ugh. Like you are in love with him. Like desperately. Yeah. You know? This, like, desperate, painful thing. Um, 
she just ends up telling him that she did miss him. He tells her that he thought of her always and asks how often she thinks of him. She asks him if any of it was real and he counters asking if any of it was real to her since his love counts for nothing. And I'm like, see, he's like, like what's happening? She tells him that he's incapable of love and he says, because I'm not human. And she says, no, because you can't understand what it is to care for someone else more than yourself. Because if you love me, you would have let me go by now. It's, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of true. It is true. Like if you loved her, you would have set her free from this awful curse that you've put her under and maybe if she did really love you she would come back she would come back set her free and if it's truly yours they'll come back they'll come back you know you never heard of that he says that it is because he loves her that he won't he thinks love is hungry and selfish and she's like you're confusing love with possession see there it is she's like if you love me then let henry go he's like this is our night don't ruin it with talk of someone else and then he tells her they're going somewhere new and they skip so we have a flashback. We're in New Orleans, July 29th, 1970. And Luke tells Addie that he loves her. But she's like, don't pretend that this is love. Mm. And he says, tell me your heart doesn't flutter when you hear my voice and doesn't ache when you hear your name on my lips. Bye. And Addie says, it's my name I ache for, not your lips. And Luke replies, once perhaps, but now it's more. And then he gives her a gift, and she opens it, and it's a key, and he walks her to a house and calls it her home. He shows her around, and then they go for a walk, where she sees, like, a leather jacket in a shop window, and Luke gives it to her. And that's the leather jacket that she's wearing today. Mm -hmm. Then he tells her to go back home because he has work to do, but instead of going home, she follows him, and she sees him go to an older woman and says that a deal is a deal. And the older woman responds, saying that a deal is a deal, and she is tired. And then Luke turns into that darkness monster thing again and takes the woman's soul. Then Addie goes back to the house and waits for Luke to return. She's like, all right, I'm going home. Um, present day, that same night, July 30th, 2014, Luke asks Addie where she wants to go. And Addie looks at the skyscrapers and asks him which one has the best view. He brings her to this bar called The Low Road on the roof of a building. And Addie asks him again to let Henry go. Luke asks her what she sees in him and she tells Luke that she sees herself and who she was the night she met Luke. Luke counters saying that they are nothing alike because she wanted to live while Henry wanted to die. Like he's really like laying it on thick that he fucking loves this girl. She tells Luke that he only sees weaknesses to be exploited but humans are messy and although she isn't one anymore she remembers what it's like and Henry will find his way if Luke lets him. It's true he does exploit people in their moment of weaknesses right? Well, that's like, his literal uh, job. Exactly exactly like you can't fault him for like doing what he was like probably that, like I created mean, to do yeah. you know? Um, like I wonder if he stopped doing what he does what would happen to him? You know? Maybe like, he does he need the souls to sustain him you know? Yeah. I don't know. Um, Addie begs him again to let Henry go and Luke asks her to choose someone else to take his place and asks her if she would really sell someone else's soul to have Henry's back. Addie stares out in the crowd and points at someone but Luke just laughs saying that she's changed more than she thinks. She tells him no more games and then he brings her to the woods. And I'm like, what's happening in the woods? We must find out. We better find out. Flashback to New Orleans, May 1st, 1984, and Addie is lying in Luke's arms thinking about how this is home and maybe, you know, it actually is love. And she asks him if he loves her, and he says yes. And then she says, well, let me go then. It's like, set me free. And he tells her that he can't break their deal, but maybe he could change the terms and make it better. All she has to do is surrender. Why did he use that word? 
Exactly. And then that one word, surrender, snaps her out of it. And she's like, wow, after all this time, I actually thought you loved me, but this isn't love or kindness. It's just another game. Mm -hmm. So, and for a second, Luke actually looks like wounded, like, oh, what do you mean this is a game? No, I love you. What are you you talking about? But then his facade cracks and he smiles, saying that the game has grown tiresome and she can't fault him for trying a different tactic. Mm. She tells him that, you know, she faults him for everything and he says that, you know, he's given her everything. But Addie is like, well, it wasn't real though. Mm -hmm. And at some point, Addie doesn't know when, a fire starts and then she's on the street watching her house burn and she takes her ring and throws it into the fire. Considering she can't live anywhere else, I feel like this was a bad judgment call. This is why you don't make decisions when you're angry. I don't know how the fire started, though. I think maybe, maybe he started it. Maybe he was like, well, if you don't want me, then you can't have this house. Luke started the fire. <laughs> so we're back in present day that night in 2014. Addie is in the woods with Luke, which just ends up being Central Park. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. So we didn't actually take him like the fucking middle of the wilderness. He tells her that he will give her what she wants if she dances with him. And she agrees. And while they dance, she starts crying, saying all he had to do was set her free. But he tells her he can't because she is his. She reminds him that he was the one that said it was all a game and didn't actually love her. But he replies that he lied and that he indeed did love her and she loved him. See, like, what do you, but what, like, what do you believe now? I know. I don't, I don't even know. I don't 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 know. know. I'm like, I mean, like, I want him to love her. I I think it's cute. But I don't know if he does. I'm I'm not convinced. I ship them. I ship them hard. But I'm very confused. Same. Um, She tells him that he didn't even come to find her until she was with someone else. And he asks her if she really thinks that he would let them just find each other when in reality he put Henry in her path on purpose. See? I fucking knew it. Um, She asks him why and he tells her that it was what she wanted. He wanted her to see that the love she was searching for was not worth it in keeping her from him, like him being Luke. She tells him that it is worth it and he's like, well, he'll be gone soon and then it won't be worth it anymore. Duh. Um, She calls him cruel, but he says that cruelty would be letting her spend a lifetime with Henry and have to suffer more when he died. Addie is like, it must be hard for you to not get everything you want. But Luke says that this isn't about want. He needs Addie like she needs him and he loves her like she loves him. And I'm like, why again am I spooning? I just finished saying that I didn't know if I liked him and now I'm back to the spooning. This is, this is concerning. She says that she doesn't love him and he's like, fine, then go spend time with your human love. And then he leaves. He's like, bye. Addie walks back to the apartment and notices the date on a newspaper and sees that it is now August 6th. Luke took her away for an entire week, which is so upsetting. Like, like why? Why does he do this to her if he claims that he loves her? She runs the rest of the way to the apartment and when she gets there, she tells Henry she is sorry and he just holds her and gets her to promise to stay. Poor baby. So now it's just August 2014, New York City. Addie and Henry are spending all of his remaining days together. He asks her if she would make the deal again, if she could do it again, and she says yes. And he asks her if, you know, if it was really worth it, you know, all the bad parts for the moments of good. And she says always. Henry is slowly running out of days and he has some goodbyes to make. So he goes to a bar with B and Robbie and tells them that he's going out of town. He decides not to say goodbye to his parents, though. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That night, he hears 
Adi get out of bed and he thinks nothing of it and he just drifts back to sleep. That's suspicious. I would probably check suspicious. on that. Um, big time jump, September 4th, 2014, and it's Henry's last day. And it's just like an ordinary day. Addie tells him stories and he listens. When the sun goes down, he starts to panic and Addie tells him to stay with her. She will be there with him until the very end. And at least this time, he knows he won't be alone. This is, ugh, it starts getting sad. Yeah. Same day. They're on the roof now and Henry doesn't know if he's like ready for this, but Addie is there. And Addie starts saying something, but he isn't like listening. And then he notices that the watch has stopped moving and he knows that it is time. But Addie makes him look at her and tells him that he promised that he would write it all down. And Henry is confused because he literally has six notebooks of all of her stories. But she says that she hasn't told him how it ends yet. Um, so we go back a little bit in time to September 1st, 2014. And this is the night that Addie had gotten out of bed. She actually ends up going to a bar. She's about to put the ring on when Luke appears. He asks her if her human love was everything she wanted. And she says no, but she thinks that while it was hard, it was still wonderful and worth every second. She tells him that Henry doesn't deserve to die for Luke to prove a point. She tells him that she'll offer him a trade. Let Henry live and remember her and she will be his as long as he wants her by his side. And Luke accepts. You pay attention to the wording of her deal this time. As long this time, as he wants her. She actually thought it through. She had some business days. Yeah. Yeah. So back to September 4th, 2014. And Adi tells Henry about this new deal. And he can't believe that she would do this for him. She tells him that he gets a second chance now and not to waste it, to live a good life and let people actually see who he is. Then she makes him promise to remember her before he falls unconscious. Is this the part where you start crying? Or no? No. Okay. Um, this is the last part. Part seven. I remember you. We are one day ahead. It is September 5th, 2014. And Henry wakes up in his bed and Addie is not beside him. He tries to find her in the apartment, but then he remembers the night before on the rooftop and Addie made him promise to remember and he knows that she's gone. He goes to find the journals, which is all he has left of her. There are six notebooks that tell her story and when he goes to pull one off the shelf, the Polaroids like tumble out. And when he opens the journal, he's afraid the pages would be blank, but the words are still there. He sits there and he reads every story she ever told him. And when he's done, he puts his head in his hands because the girl he loved is gone and he's still here and he remembers everything, which is probably like the worst fucking part. I think I was crying at this point. That's so hard because in a way it would have been like a gift to forget just because of the pain. Mm -hmm. But I don't think he would want to forget no. at the end of the day. So we flash forward to March 13th, 2015, and B is reading the manuscript called The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, written by Henry. And she's like, They said the title of the book. They said the title of the book. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. And B is like, Wait, you're going to end the story like that? And, she, and B wants to know what happened to Addie. Like, did she really end up going with Luke after all that? And Henry just shrugs and tells her that he assumes yes, because the truth is he doesn't actually know what happened to Addie after she left. He tried writing many different endings to the story, but all those endings belong to him, not to her. And this is her story, not his. So anything beyond those last shared seconds, that final kiss would be fiction. And this story was real. Just no one else knew it. So he hopes that she is happy now and that she didn't do it just for him. And he hopes that one day he'll get to see her again. B tells Henry that the story is really good and tells him that she knew he would be a writer one day. And she asks him if he wants to like publish the book. 
and sell it. Henry says that he would like to try to sell it, and in the end, he does end up selling the book on one condition, that there's only one name on the cover, and it is not his. It's because her name would have never just been on the cover otherwise, because she can't do anything on... <sighs> okay. Okay. Anyways. We flash forward again. And we're in London, England. It is February 3rd, 2016. Addie's in a bookstore and people are talking about the book, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. I love when art imitates life. <laughs> um, and everyone wants to buy a copy. Again, this is reminiscent of real life. Addie picks up a copy of the book, which has no author's name on it, and turns past the title page to the dedication, which just says, I remember you. Which I'm like, Meh. this is the part where I teared up, like the I remember you part. Addie fondly remembers all their time spent together and thinks about that final night on the roof with him. It was the first and only time she got to say goodbye to anyone. That kiss, like a piece of long-awaited punctuation, an end. That's the thing about living in the present and only the present. It is a run-on sentence, and Henry was a perfect pause in the story, a chance to catch her breath. She does not know if it was love or simply a reprieve, if contentment can compete with passion, if warmth will ever be as strong as heat, but it was a gift. I love that part. It's so good because it's like it's like she wanted to compare him so badly to Luke, I think. But it, it, it like he was his own part of the story, mm -hmm. right? Like he has nothing to do with Luke. She begins to read her story, but then Luke appears saying how clever she is. He tells her they can have the story as long as I have you. And again, I'm like, fuck me. Why did I tingle at that? <laughs> I shouldn't be tingling. Um, Addie thinks about the mistake he has made. When she set the terms of the new deal, she did not say forever, but as long as you want me by your side. She knows he is not capable of love, and maybe it will take 20 years or maybe 100, but she will ruin his idea of them. She will break his heart and drive him away, and he will come to hate her and cast her away, and then she will finally be free. She's going to annoy his ass Literally. until he dumps her. Yeah. Oh, that wouldn't be that bad. Hard, I think. I don't know. And then... Ugh. But then, like, I feel like a part of her also, like, loves him. I so know. So she, she really want, I know. You know? To I be know. away from him? I don't know. She wants to tell Luke this, her plan, just to see his reaction when he learns he's been bested. But he's taught her patience, so she says nothing, only smiles and follows him into the dark. And that's the end. And I'm and like... we're left wondering... I don't know. What happened to Addie LaRue? Part of me wants her to be with luke and you know some epiphany happens and he does actually love her and they just live out the rest of their days happily but then the other part in me wants her to fucking stick it to him and enact her plan and be free and i just i like i said credit to v.e schwab because this book is really really good it's and i so beautifully i thoroughly enjoyed it i want a sequel what do addy and luke do together I want to know. I guess we'll never know. I guess we'll never know. Da -da 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 -da. Yeah. Um, I really liked it. I think, you know, sometimes people message us and they're like, oh, I just listen to your episodes. I don't read the book. Do yourself the favor. Read the book. This is definitely one that you don't want to skip, um, in my opinion. Oh, me too. Like, the prose itself is just so stunning. And you're right. It's definitely, like, a, a, a book to savor. It's, like, a slow... It's a slow read, for but sure. But it's a beautiful read. Um, and you can tell by the fact that we just basically quoted it to you for 50% of this episode. But exciting news. Kat, what are we doing next? 
Throne of Glass. Oh highly my. anticipated. Highly anticipated, highly requested. We're finally doing Throne of Glass. Um, just in case that you know you've missed our lives, you've missed it in other episodes, whatever. We are not doing the entirety of Throne of Glass in one shot. That is way too many. We're not an SJM podcast. So we're gonna do Throne of Glass. We're gonna take a little break and we might pick up another one of the books before the year's end. But I hope you guys are excited for Throne of Glass. Um I'm ex- kind of not. I'm excited, but I'm I'm a little scared. I've just heard that like you have to get through the first three before I it gets good. No. And like I have little patience now for books that just don't start off running. You know what I mean? I'm gonna I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna listen to the audiobook because I found that really helped. So I'm hoping that um I like it enough and maybe I like SJM's writing enough to, you know, push through. Um, but I'm still excited to read the series. I've heard good things about it, so yeah. Yes um otherwise check out the description of this episode you'll find the links to all our social media our website our red bubble for merch our patreon everything like that um if you feel like it you can leave us a review and a rating on itunes it really helps get the podcast seen by other people who might like our content um otherwise if you've listened this long thank you so much we appreciate you we love you yes and so thanks for listening to Tuba Bitches. Bye.